This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to... Aren't you glad it's Friday? I bet you're really thrilled, aren't you, that we've managed to make it through till Friday. I know I'm delighted. Not that I I, I don't like any other day of the week. In fact, uh, Friday is probably my least favourite day of the week. I love Mondays because I've stored up so much stuff over the weekend. I need Monday's programme to kind of get it all off my chest. And then today, I was going through the papers. There's not a great deal in the papers. You know, they've made a big thing about Lucy Beale's killer. Who cares, honestly? Some 11-year-old boy. It doesn't make any difference if they change him. Because, you know, all the other ones, I did say, I mean, I should have put money on it myself, I suppose. I said, they're not getting rid of anybody else because nobody else's contract is up for renewal. So it had to be somebody who was totally dispensable and that you've never even heard of. And that's why it's an 11-year-old boy who was standing there with a knife. Couldn't make it up, could you, really? I suppose, really, we, we, we could keep it going if they want to look for record figures. Just kill off everybody. I mean, we must be due an explosion at the Queen Vic, surely. Surely. 20 Stone Emma. Too big. She goes along to a theme park. Actually, ironically, the ride is called Colossus. And she tries to fit in it, and she can't. So they have to sort of take her out of the ride. And of course, she's not very happy, but that's the problem nowadays. You would think that, that they would accommodate larger people, but they don't. I mean, I think she had really the equivalent of two bottoms. And that's the problem. When I went to... I was telling the producer, I went to the Donmar Warehouse, years ago it was, when I was on the Laurence Olivier Committee, and they give you two free tickets for each performance that you've got to go and review. So I dutifully trot down there, and the Donmar is quite, a, quite an intimate space, and the seating upstairs at the, uh, the time was benches, and I had two seats there. Well, the woman sitting next to me was American, and she had three bottoms, and she took up more room than my little two bottoms. And so, consequently, I was practically on the floor in the end. I had to leave in the interval because I was perched on the end of the seat. I had to move my leg to the right to prop myself up. Because otherwise, her three bottoms were edging me off. And she did, and she was happily sitting there eating sweets all the way through it. And I'm thinking, that's why she's got three bottoms. I mean, by the end of the show, she must have had about five bottoms, I should imagine. Uh, guess who Katie Hopkins is writing about today? Now, I, I, have, to, um, I have to sort of pre-warn you. If you're of a nervous disposition or you have young children around, uh, at about 5.30 you need to sort of put your fingers in their ears and do la-las because we will have a clip from this weekend's In Conversation and uh, we'll have a clip from Nicholas Owen and we've got a clip from, uh, from Katie Hopkins. I don't know what she's talking about. I cannot remember. Most of it went by in a blur. I was medicated up, as you can well imagine, and to talk to her. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult when somebody turns up in thigh-length boots and a whip. You know, and you know that you're going to be in trouble. Nicholas Owen, at one point, the producer phoned me yesterday, and she said, I haven't stopped laughing, she said, because you and Nicholas Owen talking about vasectomies. I said, well, I had to stop him. He said to me, oh, and on the subject of vasectomies, I said, this is a family show. We can't talk about vasectomies on a family show. Certainly not this time of the morning. He was going to go into graphic detail of a vasectomy. Ooh. Dear me. Not for me, I'm afraid. Not for me. Um, what else we got? Oh, yeah, the victim who says the racist train thug should be locked up. I'm predicting this is going to be a cop-out by Chelsea. I'd like to make a prediction now. Three people, apparently, out of one, two... There was about five of them on the train that I noticed, that I counted yesterday. They've named three of them, and they've said, but they can't prove... This is going to be be the cop-out bit. Who, if anybody, was singing, we are racists, we are racists. So they're not going to know, are they? And unless they've actually physically got somebody caught on camera phone going, we are racists, we are racists, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. It's interesting that the family of, the, uh, of that young smart boy 
uh, the other day who we said he must know the names of all the people he was hanging around with, poor soul. Perhaps he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, th- there, is, there is that in his favour because his parents have come out and said, well, he's not like that at all. And which, you know, you, would ex- you wouldn't expect them to come out and go, oh, of course, that's our son, the racist. They're not going to say that ever. They're going to say he's a nice boy. His aunt said he was a nice boy. Uh, he's been suspended by the company he worked for. So they're obviously not totally convinced, although his boss seems to be on his side. But there again, unless you've got proof of anything, you cannot say, you know, somebody said this, somebody said that. You've got to actually have proof. And that, that's what makes it in. Somebody wrote to me yesterday, I had to laugh, because sometimes I do get the simpletons writing. Because it is, I mean, come on, it's ten past four in the morning. The medication is wearing off. Matron hasn't been around to give them another quick injection to put them out for another four hours. And this person wrote to me and said that Katie Price and Kerry Katona's lawyers were listening to my programme. Which I thought was really sweet, actually, you know, because uh, the more the merrier. The more the merrier, so that, they, so that they, they, they can record what you say about them. I thought, you don't need to record what I say about them. It's all well, well documented. All well documented. I mean, every single thing, every word I say on this station is recorded by us. We don't have to worry about lawyers. Pfft, we spit on lawyers. We're not really bothered about lawyers. Lawyers for Katie Price. What, to complain about the foul-mouthed old bag with the Botox face? What would be libelous about that? Answer, nothing. Kerry Coke-Toner, the woman who shoved Arthur Columbia up her nose. What would be libelous about that? Nothing. The woman who has children to sell stories to OK. What would be libelous about that? It's all perfectly accurate. But there again, you do get some people. They're a bit simple. It's like the people who get off the bus and they're in front of you and they tell me, they go, thank you, driver. Oh, sod off, please. I mean, I've never It's really, it's a case of, oh, do you like the driver? Thank, thank you, driver. There's a woman who gets on the bus to go to, um, to go down to Waterloo, and she's got long hair and pulls her belongings in a little trolley, and she always says the same. Thank you, driver. Some people do. The worst ones are the ones who come and sit next to you. Hello, have you seen my mongoose? You go, oh, my God. It's always the ones on the bus, isn't it? Always the ones on the bus. Because once you're on there, you think, I might have to get off and switch buses. You don't actually want to be with people. So yesterday, I drive down to see my brother, because he sort of requested it. And Well, he hadn't really requested it. He was getting a bit lonely, I think, because he's, he's, he's had an operation on his toe, and they've had to rest him up for a couple of weeks. Anyway, so he, he can't go anywhere. <coughs> so he's a little bit stuck. So he said, um, oh, do you know, do you want to pop down and see me? Well, yesterday I had a free day. So I said, yeah, that's OK. And the car needed a bit of a run out. So uh, I said, do you, do you need anything? You know, because I'm a nice, caring person. He said, oh, some fruit. Well, of course, I always go over the top with anything. So he got two two boxes of oranges. He got grapes. He got peaches. <laughs> just about everything. And then I said, do you want some Chinese food? Gong Ho Fat Choi for yesterday. And he said, um, he said, um, Oh, I'm not really fussed either way, so it's nice. Anyway, and they were doing the special offer in M&S. Didn't seem as good as the Sainsbury's one, because you only got two mains and four sides. Or was it three sides? Four sides? I don't know. And it was a tenor, so I bought it for him, took, took that down to him, and I took down some Christmas jumpers as well, which he was very excited about, because he likes Christmas jumpers. And uh, what else did I take down? Oh, chocolates, usual sort of thing. I try and empty the boot of the car when I go down there, but this time I didn't actually physically empty the boot of the car. So we're chatting about things, and he was sorting out... Because he works for a building society. He's, uh, he runs a, a branch of the building society. He was telling me that a woman went in there the other week. He said, proving how, <clears throat> how rude the public can be. And uh, she goes in and uh, she says to him, because he's, he sort of is the manager, um, I've got ten minutes, I'm on my lunch break. I need to transfer some money to an account. So he goes, yes, OK. So uh, the account number, how much would you like to transfer? A million. She wanted to transfer a million. She, he said she had 1.7 million in the account, and she wanted to transfer a million. He said, well, you can't just transfer a million pounds like that. 
because there are laws about money laundering and everything's got to be checked out. So he said, well, it's going to take a lot longer than 10 minutes to transfer a million pounds because it's all we have to check security. She said, I've been banking here for ages. He said, well, to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter. And she started being abusive. And so in the end, he had to walk away from it because if you deal with a company on the telephone now and you swear at them, you put the phone down. The, the operators are taught. They, they give you a warning. My brother's um, ex-wife used to work for um, one of these companies where they had to deal with people on the phone. And she had to deal with the people from Portsmouth. Now, you know that Portsmouth is the holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show. That's where they, they live. So if you're looking for tattooed, toothless old hags who've had about six children, Portsmouth is the place. And they can only converse in swearing. They cannot actually physically have a conversation without throwing in four-letter words. Sometimes six-letter words. And, um, and so <laughs> my brother's ex-wife, she said it did become like a joke because you'd be having a conversation. She said, guaranteed, two minutes into it, uh, they'd swear. And she then had to say to them, listen, I'm sorry, if you swear again, I'm going to put the phone down. They would then swear again because they couldn't actually have a... And down would go the phone. So, of course, that used to make them more angry. So then phone up and start swearing again. Down, down would go the phone. Because you're trying to look for one operator in a, in a room full of 300 people. It's just not physically possible. So he said when this woman was abusive to him and he thought... Uh, he had to walk out the office and he had to say to one other people, you'll need to go in there and <coughs> excuse me, type all this stuff in. Because at the moment, you know, she's just being abusive and rude. It seemed quite funny, really. A million... I'm just going to transfer a million pounds because I'm buying a property. Ah, yeah, right. Whatever. Whatever. So, uh, so that was yesterday. And then I drove back at about, uh, at about lunchtime. And uh, I was absolutely exhausted. Because it's about 60 miles down there. And the motorways are so boring. So in, even with singing... Chewing gum, you know, to keep yourself alert and, you know, the cold air plate and all the rest of it. It was still very... And at, at times, I mean, to force my eyes open. It was really... It was that difficult. So I was quite grateful when I got home. And uh, then I had to go to the chemist. It was so busy. I had to go to the chemist and get some uh, some cortisone cream for this, this strange mark on my foot, which has come up. And so we put that on two days running. And then I just had something to eat and then put my feet up and watched television. Made some phone calls. And that was it. Climbed into bed. And then I got up this morning, and I always check. The first thing I found out was that Lucy Beale's killer is, uh, is I think it's her brother or something. I did, Yeah, but whatever it is, I mean, who cares? Who cares? It's, you know, we've got rid of one bad actress. There'll be loads more we can get rid of. They're either going to get run over, shot, or knifed. And he's 11, so this, it's not going to amount to anything. It's really, you know, they're not going to waste time with a court case, I shouldn't think, unless they're really that desperate to spend an awful lot of money. Um... The snooker stars who've cried foul at a badge that was on one of the uh, one of their competitors' things. I'll tell you more about it a little bit later on. We've also found um, an original one-pound note. This was stolen in the Great Train Robbery, and it just came up for auction a short while ago. A one-pound note. It's worth quite a bit of money now, as you can imagine. Uh, the London luxury flats. They're not in London at all. They're in Luton. But they say that, don't they? They say, you're now landing at London Luton. You're miles away from London. You know, we're near London. Luton is, you know, you come out of London, you go, pretty, pretty countryside, pretty, pretty lovely, Luton. You know, and that's when you double lock the car doors, you hide the kids under blankets, you wind the windows up, you know, and you arm yourself with a submachine gun. It's the only way to get through Luton. You'll never make it alive. I promise you. People have vanished. It's like a, it's like a Bermuda Triangle. You know, you enter Luton and that's the last we ever hear from you. 
You know, it's as simple as that. So they've built these flats, luxury flats in Luton. Don't go to Luton. Please don't go to Luton. Please. There must be, there must be better places to go to. Hounslow. No, not Hounslow. Um, God. Feltham. Sorry, Julie. Where are we going to get? Well, you should get the Young Offenders Institute, so at least you know there's going to be nobody nicking, because they're all inside. So that's a bit of a bonus, isn't it? We'll go through the papers, and, um, and we'll find some stories which hopefully will put a smile on your face this morning. Just the fact it's Friday for most of you will be enough, won't it, to make you feel in a really, really good mood, and we take all your texts and emails. 84850stevedlbc.co.uk Nick and the team with you from 7 o'clock this morning as a teenager is convicted of planning to behead a British soldier. It's emerged that his Jehovah's Witness parents kicked him out after he'd converted to Islam. Were they right to do so? What, uh, what should you do as a parent? And a think tank is suggesting a new scheme to fix the NHS, making voluntary contributions each month so you can pick where you want to be treated. Nick could be asking, can it really work? And after the fourth death of a cyclist in London this year, we'll be talking to winning Olympian cyclist Craig McLean, MBE, and former Cabinet Minister Michael Portillo is doing the paper review. That's all with Nick from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. So I bought, actually, one of Michael Portillo's uh, DVDs. You know, he does these train journeys, and uh, I like things like that. I'm very, very big into train journeys. Somebody wrote to me, I can tell that they're not really in the real world because they've only got ten followers, and that generally means that, uh, that they're all sad and lonely by themselves. And says, um, you'd imagine some people actually have millions that aren't coke dealers. No, uh, it's got nothing to do with, with coke dealing. But you're not allowed to transfer a million... You're not really the brightest penny in the box, are you? Because you can't just transfer a million pounds from a bank without them doing security checks. It's as simple as that. It's called money laundering. You have to be very careful. Mind you, this is the person who bought petrol at Chelsea Cloisters at 179.9. Uh, thicko, thicko, 179.9, Dumbo. Dumbo. Not your fault, you're stupid. There you go. Uh, June says uh, there's also um, a fat lady trying to get out of a, a BMW. The trouble is, if you've got a big bottom, you know, I don't, don't, don't look, because nobody knows how big their bottom is, do they? You don't exactly climb out of the bath and turn around and go, oh, that's it, is it? You, don't, you just don't do things like that. You just take your bottom for granted. It's only when you're walking down the street and you've got somebody's bottom in front of you. Generally, it'll be somebody wearing fake Ugg boots with tracksuit bottoms, grey, with a pink G-string sticking up from the, from the back of it. They're generally on the phone and they've got a child called Chardonnay. That's generally the kind of people you run behind and you go, dear God in heaven, you know, and you go, you, you feel like saying to them, you know, so what does your husband do? Sorry? You know, and you know damn well they haven't got a husband. They've just managed to get themselves pregnant Friday night after a couple of sherries, you know, that kind of thing. R- Ronnie Biggs's watch came up and made 900 quid. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Ronnie William, uh, R- Ronnie Biggs, you know, well, well past his sell-by and dead now. Uh, Bryn Williams, Happy New Year from a couple of old goats in France, because it's the it was the year of the goat. You know, just Prince Charles and Camilla. He, he did his little bit, a uh, little bit of uh, Chinese, uh, spoken Chinese, you know, to make them feel at home. Uh, sweet and sour pork, sticky rice, you know, and they seem fairly happy. I love it when he, he sort of does one thing, and then he looks so pleased with himself that he's actually learnt something, you know, because I I I have also been teaching myself this morning. I mean, I don't want you to think in any way, shape or form that I'm sort of, you know, particularly, you know, brilliant at doing languages, but uh, Sweeter Bar is my... Le- yeah, all right. It's my latest Mandarin. There'll be people listening, coming home from Chinese restaurants, going, he spoke our language. Sweeter Bar, and it means let it go, because I'm learning let it go in Mandarin. And that's, about, that's the only bit I've learnt. I've looked at it, and some of the words are quite confusing. Uh, but... 
Sweet bar, sweet bar. You know, and, and so all of a sudden there's people listening to Chinese. He speaks our language. He do our program. <laughs> Next, we did. We used to have a Chinese Amanda on the program. And when I did one of my shows at the at the Mermaid Theatre, there was was a number of Chinese in the audience, and I wasn't sure whether or not they believed that she really was Chinese, uh, or whether or not they'd, they'd accepted the joke as well. So anyway, so that's it. So sweet bar is uh, let it go. So you, if you can learn the rest of the song, good luck. Although, to be honest with you, after the, in the light of the Russian planes, I'm thinking of learning it in Russian, just to make sure I can sort of be in with everybody. Uh, so, happy Chinese New Year from Bryn and Annie. And uh, they adore Chinese food. They always have Peking duck. They've got their favourite restaurant in Cuffley. Although they do vividly recall, as you do, the worst Peking duck we ever ate. We were on a tour of China... Oh, how lovely. Way back in the 80s, doing all the tourist bits, Terracotta Warriors, The Great Wall, a whole lot more. Looking forward to some genuine Chinese food. Our first visit was to a supposedly well-known restaurant in Beijing. Of course, we had to have Peking duck. Ghastly. Ghastly. Too dry, terrible sauce. Pancakes were hard and we literally couldn't eat it. Very, very disappointing. We also love Chinese soups on every English menu. Not in China. We were told at a very posh restaurant that they didn't serve it. Traditionally, it's only ever served at private Dinner parties, if somebody specifically requests it, and if a guest asks for it, and uh, it constitutes an insult to her cuisine, inferring what she'd served throughout the whole meal was not, was not sufficient, and to ask for soup meant she'd failed. I took my mother, Bryn and Annie, to a Chinese restaurant. My mother, uh, being typically British and being of that age at the time, had never eaten out in a Chinese restaurant because they were relatively new. The first one that we had in, uh, in Newbury was called the August Moon and I'll tell you how long ago it was. You could do a lunchtime menu, which was a little starter, a main course, and then a pudding for £1.49. That's how much they were charging. <laughs> so occasionally, me and my friend Dave would go along there. And for starter, you might have a spring roll. And then for main course, it might be some rice with a little bit of chicken or something like that. And then a dessert could be lychees. We thought we were eating Chinese food. We were very excited. So I, I was eating Chinese food. My mother was making it. Well, she was making the British version of Chinese food, even though we lived in Hong Kong for two years. She didn't cook anything. It was all cooked by our, uh, by our armour over there, who we didn't pay for. She was provided free by the forces. And she did all the cooking for the dinner parties and everything else. So when my mother moved to Henley, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll take you for a Chinese meal, thinking she's going to be really impressed. And I said, I'll get crispy duck. Well, this duck arrived. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think my duck had ever eaten anything in its life. I think it must have been the scrawniest duck in the yard. They've gone, we'll have that one. And this duck, I mean, it even looked a bit sad to be on the plate. It shouldn't have been there. It was all bow. My mother hated it. And I felt a bit guilty because I thought it was going to be really, really... It was like, you know, they look at you and go, you don't eat out very often. We'll just give you because you won't know the difference. And, uh, and I, I do know crispy duck. I can eat a whole crispy duck at a push. Can't eat for a week before or after, but I can manage it. And so we had a really disappointing meal. But you always, isn't it funny? You always remember the disappointing meals, and, but you don't remember all the good meals you've had. Because I love it. I love all this eat as much as you can thing. Because you're just gorgeous. There's a limit to how much you can eat, as you all know. But uh, I still like it. I still like it. Um, uh, somebody says, do you ever have a holiday or, uh, or take a break? <laughs> you mad? Take a break from what? What, working two and a half hours a day? Ooh, really tough. I don't think so, no. Every day's a holiday. I don't... I'm, listen, I've done the sitting on beaches. I've done the tourist thing. I've, you know, I've been on tour buses. I've done cruises. You know, I've been to America loads of times. I've done everything. What would be the purpose of a holiday? What would... You know, what would... You know, everybody goes on holiday because they're so exhausted through what they do 
during the week, they go, oh, a friend of mine, she loves her holidays. She's a bit like Colleen Rooney. Doesn't wear as much jewellery on the beach, admittedly. But she's sort of, she loves her holidays. I mean, she's looking forward to an April holiday. Me, I couldn't care less. Not rem- What would I do on holiday? So in other words, so I lose the money through not working. Then I have to pay for the holiday. And then I sit there staring out. To- I mean, how boring is that? No point in me going on holiday. Every day is a holiday. Every si- I mean, today, I'm going to be doing an interview with Rebecca Ferguson. It is Rebecca Ferguson, I think I'm talking to. Because uh, she's got an album out. I think it's like A Lady Sings the Blues. Uh, then next week, we've got five interviews for In Conversation. Uh, everybody from Celia Imrie through to uh, The Doctor on Embarrassing Bodies and Stephen Tomkinson. And who else? Jimmy Somerville is coming in next week. Lisa Faulkner's coming in next week. We've got loads of people. So, I mean, why would you want to go on holiday? And do what? And do what? Just sit there thinking, I could be earning money. Because when I did jury service, I was able to do this job and then finish here at seven in the morning and then pootle off home, change, and then go to the court. Dead easy. Uh, Guess who Katie Hopkins is writing about today? Uh, You'll have to read the column and find out. Find out whether she liked me. Find out whether we're not going to get any clips uh, on the programme today from her. Uh, Nikki says, I refer to Friday as Frisky Friday. Are you feeling frisky? Not at my age. I gave up feeling frisky about 35 years ago. Uh, I know that Ollie uh, was, was going big guns on this, uh, this sort of gay wedding. <coughs> Excuse me, in, uh, in prison. Uh, it's two cold-blooded, ugly killers who uh, are quite clearly homophobes, but then, of course, they both murdered gay people. Uh, one is Mikhail uh, Galatinov, who's 40... And uh, Mark Goodwin. Mark Goodwin, I mean, quite clearly, he's one of those people who goes out and uh, sort of targets gay people, but in fact, he's gay himself. You tend to find a lot of homophobic uh, people are, in fact, gay. They just, uh, just, yeah, hate gays, hate this and all that kind of... So anyway, they're going to tie the knot. But as they both murdered gay people, perhaps they'll kill each other and then save us a lot of money. Because I don't quite understand. I mean, if they're both murderers, have they had some sort of counselling to stop them being murderers? I don't quite... Uh, the, uh, Mikhail Galatinov is, uh, is um, somebody who strangled his boyfriend. And what Mark Goodwin did, I've got no idea, but by God, he's ugly. Perhaps they're well-suited, but I couldn't care less. Makes no difference to me whether they're gay or not. They're staying in there for the rest of their life. They'll die in there. What, what difference being married will make, I can't imagine. They're not allowed to... Um, they won't be sharing a cell or anything like that. They won't be allowed to do things like that. They say it's the first UK jail wedding for two male prisoners. Who cares? Who cares? You know, somebody said here they've got the right to tie the knot like Reggie Cray. What, gay boy Reggie? Gay boy Reggie. Started off straight, then gay, then straight, then gay. Because that's what life inside does for you. And I suppose if you're in there, you know, you're, what are you going to be doing? You know, I mean, it's not going to be funded by, by the taxpayer. It makes no difference. They can do what they like in there. I should imagine there's quite a lot of those gay relationships going on in prison. Of course there are. There's people there for ages and ages and ages. So here it is, Jane's stepson. Finally revealed as Lucy Beale's killer. As I say, you ever heard of him before? No, me neither. Me neither. So you could lose him from the uh, from the series and it wouldn't make the slightest difference, and you probably will. And then Burger King to uh, to offer home delivery in eight of their restaurants. God, it would be stone cold by the time it gets there, wouldn't it? If you order from Burger King. I mean, burgers that you order them and then they arrive fairly quickly. Well, you've got some little bloke on a little little pup-pup thing driving around town, delivering a Whopper and some onion rings. Yuck, can't think of anything worse. 4.30. LBC. Josh, Josh thinks that Let It Go is something different. I mean, he lives over there. But the trouble is, this, this is on YouTube in Mandarin and she definitely sings and it comes up as Sweeter Bar. It definitely does. I mean, this is, she's doing Mandarin. 
and they're singing in Mandarin. Now, whether or not there's different different things for different regions, I've got no idea. Mandarin, I'm assuming, is, is slightly different from Cantonese. So perhaps you're doing Cantonese, but on YouTube, I promise you, Let It Go is, uh, is Sweet About. And she sings, Sweet About, Sweet About. You can hear it. It's quite clear. It certainly isn't, I promise you. Uh, oh, I've lost it. It certainly isn't Fang uh, Shbu uh, Bar. See, the bar bit's right at the end, but she's singing. So perhaps Mandarin's different. I don't know. I know, but that's what they're singing on YouTube, and I'm going with YouTube, all right? Uh, other stories in the papers today, apart from the killers in the first gay jail wedding. I mean, do you know, I don't know why, why, why it's of any interest. I'm sure that there are gay relationships in, uh, in prison. Remember, we, we found those boys the other day who were doing the motorbike uh, ripping off, and one of them, I said, particularly pretty, and he's going off to prison. I said, he'll be very popular in prison, because you get the lifers in there. <laughs> he won't be going in the showers by himself, let me tell you. Well, he'll have to at some point. And that's why, you know, prison changes a lot of people. If you're stuck in the same place... I never quite understood it years and years ago. To be gay was, was, a, was an offence, a criminal offence. And as a punishment, they locked you up with hundreds of other men. Well, was that a punishment? You know, it didn't make any sense, did it? So, uh, so you've got these two people here, both, both murderers... And uh, perhaps they'll find solace in each other's company. It's so sweet, isn't it, when you look at them and you think to yourself, well, I've never heard of them before. Couldn't really care less, actually. But um, they say it's the first UK jail wedding for two male prisoners. Uh, One battered a gay guy to death. That'll presumably be uh, Mark Goodwin. So gay all the time. But his family are thrilled. That's our son, the gay basher, who's gay. Uh, The other strangled a male lover. They met inside. They've been permission to uh, wed has been granted... Uh, Galatioff is a convicted paedophile as well. So there you go. But uh, he's been locked up for a minimum of 20 years. There's no chance these people are ever going to uh, to come out. Um, it's, uh, you know, he's got, he's got offences against young children. And then uh, the body of one of his victims was found in the boot of his car. But uh, prisoners have the right to wed. There's nothing new about this. It's been going on, I think, since about 1983, when there was, if memory serves, I think that's when the Marriage Act came in, and so, you know, people have tied the knot with brides inside and outside. Nothing nothing about that. Uh, Reggie Cray tied the knot with Roberta, and uh, and then I think that sort of finished, or he'd, he'd been married a few times, but he had, had gay relationships as well. Uh, also, a, a man who carried out the bullion robbery also got married, married his second wife, and I think that... Um, that other bloke has married a few times, you know, said to be Britain's most dangerous prisoner. That one, he was, he's also, I think, married a few times in prison. So it didn't make any difference to me. Couldn't care less what they do inside there. It's the fact they were stupid enough to have got caught and they're in, and they're, they're in the nick. They'll be staying there forever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, somebody says, I've avoided hearing about EastEnders all week because I was going to watch it catch up tonight. Oh, re- oh, I'm sorry to ruin it for you. It's... Um, Sorry about that. I mean, it is, you know, EastEnders at its most miserable best. Bobby Beale is the murderer, incidentally. Bobby Beale, B-O-B-B-Y, Bobby, Bobby Beale is the murderer. He's 11, and he was standing there with a knife in his hand. And uh, his stepmom, Jane, did one of her two expressions on the programme. She either does, hello, or shocked. And she did shocked, as you can well imagine. And so Lucy Beale's the victim. It's only pretend, OK? don't want you to think in any way, shape or form that, uh, that I'm doing a spoiler alert. The fact that it was Bobby Beale on the programme who was the murderer. 
So it's great. I love it when people say, I don't want to hear anything about it because I'm going to watch it on catch-up. You know, it's on the front page of every paper. So, you know, people who ever say that to me, I'm afraid they get exactly what they uh, what they deserve. I have to tell them. I have to tell them. It's, in, it's my bounden duty to be, uh, to be a spoiler. So here she is. This is Kelly Renee... I think it's Gisendana. And uh, she's, uh, she's going to have a lethal injection. She's a murderer. Um, again, we couldn't care less about her at all. And uh, what they do on death row, they have a tradition, apart from a bit of a knees up afterwards when they're dead, uh, put balloons up and bunting and everything else, is they always say to them, you know, what would be your final meal request? And to be honest with you, I don't think it makes any difference, does it? She's going to go to death with a, with a full stomach. Bit of a shame there. But uh, she's, she's gone for this one. She's requested a feast that will raise eyebrows. She wants two Whoppers, two large fries, bell pepper salad with boiled eggs, tomatoes, onion, carrots, cornbread with a side of buttermilk, popcorn, cherry vanilla ice cream, oh, and some lemonade. So, and, uh, but I mean, the fat cow's going to die anyway, so I mean, who cares? She's either going to die of uh, blowing herself up at 4,200 calories. I like the idea of cherry vanilla ice cream. I'd never heard of that before. That sounded wonderful. And uh, I don't know, really know what cornbread is, but it sounds disgusting. With a side of buttermilk. Buttermilk, that's that milk, is it? Buttermilk, is it like... Sounds horrible. It's an American thing, isn't it? And with lemonade. But, I mean, two Whoppers, two large fries. And then it's the bell pepper salad with boiled eggs, tomatoes, onions, carrots. Lovely. But she's having the fries and everything else. But, I mean, who cares? Who cares? But they, they, they do offer them that, that as a courtesy, don't they? They always go, so uh, what would you like for your last meal before we kill you? And they go, oh, I don't know, I don't really fact. Can I have egg and chips? Have whatever you want. It doesn't make any difference to us. We're only going to open your stomach and take it all back again. So, uh, you know, what do you fancy? And so for a brief moment, she'll be having this vast supper and then they'll give her a lethal injection. And, uh, and that'll be it. That'll be it. But it's this... I don't quite understand why they give them a last meal. They, they, they never showed their victims... Any, anything like this whatsoever. I mean, this woman here, she persuaded her boyfriend to kill her husband. She's going to be the 14th woman to be executed at Georgia. And uh, the person who escaped death was Gregory Owen because he testified against her. So she dies, he doesn't. There's no love lost between criminals is there, or murderers. No love lost whatsoever. Uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Oh, that's, that's quite uh, sweet. And it's... Oh, no, it's not sweet at all, actually. This is very odd. There is a cruel thug being blamed by police for hacking off the tails up to ten squirrels. West Mercia police have sent out flyers alerting residents to the attacks in Hampton Dean. In Hereford, the injured grey squirrels have been spotted with bloody stumps where the tails were cut with a knife. What? Why on earth would you do something like that? I mean, admittedly, grey squirrels are vermin, but why would you want to disfigure an animal? I don't quite see that at all. Somebody says, this person is trapping them. Why do they not kill them? Why are they just cutting their tails off? You watch, it'll turn out to be some cokehead somewhere who's on some mind-bending heroin as well. You go, yeah, because she's like like squirrels. And you think, I tell you what, we're going to chop your legs off and not give you a wheelchair. How about that one? That'd That'd be fit for purpose, wouldn't it, I think? Poor sleep. Diabetes risk. If you're a diabetic, you probably don't get a great night's sleep. I didn't get a great night's sleep last night at all, actually. I put it down to the fact that I had bite-sized shredded wheat before I went to bed. I don't know why I had bite-sized shredded wheat. I had a bit of a... You know, you have a bit of a craving every so often, and my craving was bite-sized shredded wheat. So I sat there in front of the telly eating bite-sized shredded wheat, thinking, what are you eating these for? 
I kept thinking, because it's shredded wheat, it's going to be doing me some good. But I don't, um, <clears throat> I don't subscribe to it, really. I'm just, I'm just sort of joking about it. Joking. Here's this poor lady, poor Emma. She's 20 stone. She couldn't fit on the roller coaster called Colossus. She had to get off the ride when she realised the safety harness wouldn't fit over her fat gut. She's five foot one. So, of course, if you're five foot one, it makes you look even... She must have looked like a Teletubby. She said it was the most embarrassing moment in my life. I had to walk off in front of everybody. Why were you embarrassed, dear? They were probably all laughing at you. The fat bird's getting off. We can get on the ride now. Thank God for that. <laughs> she was determined to slim down. And so she says, oh, here we go. This is what it is. It's an advert for a diet company. That's all it is. Oh, dear. She was determined to slim down, so she joined so-and-so, and she lost an impressive eight stone, and she managed to take the ride at Thorpe Park. Oh, how lovely. What a lot of cobblers, honestly. It really is, isn't it? I thought it was a serious thing about a fat bird who couldn't get on a ride. No, it's a cheap advert for yet another diet company. This is one of these uh, diet companies. What they do is they actually send you the food. You know, so in other words, you subscribe for a huge amount of money and uh, they then send you the food every day. But of course, I mean, if you're really clever, you can go to the Kentucky waiting for it to arrive and then you can get a Burger King on the way back and you can get some chips or something like that and then you can have pudding at home. I don't understand why these people subscribe to these. That's all it is. It's just a cheap bit of publicity, isn't it? They've all got to do it, haven't they? Look, she was this big and now now she can fit on the ride. Isn't that great? No, that's it. It's a load of old hogwash, I'm afraid. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, who does Katie Hopkins mention in her column today? Oh, that'll be an interesting one. Did I mention the fact I've got a book out? I did mention it, didn't I? Actually, Ollie Mann very kindly mentioned it as well on his programme. Oh, it, it's on sale at Waterloo Station at Foyles. I went in there, yes, it's just inside the front door. So I've moved mine to the front. <laughs> it's what you do, don't you? When, you? when you've got a book out, you move it to the front. And uh, as mine is all about celebrity, it's a good read. It's a very good read. I can't remember, though, if I mentioned Katie Hopkins in it. I was having palpitations yesterday thinking, did I mention Katie Hopkins? Because you know she came into the studio to do an interview. And um, I got a couple of sort of abusive texts from people going, oh, that's right. One minute you're slagging her off, you know, then you have to interview her. I didn't have to interview her at all. She wanted to come in. We wanted to talk to her. And uh, you'll have to find out on Sunday whether we actually got on or whether or not she hits me over the head with a breeze block. You'll have to find out. But I have told you, I told you yesterday that uh, the lawyers have had to listen to the programme. That's not just her lawyers, but our lawyers as well. They've had to sort of, you know, write everything down just in case there's something in there that isn't factually correct. So what we'll have at 5.30 this morning is a clip that the lawyers have approved to be transmitted today in preparation for the interview, which is going out on Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m. with Nicholas Owen. And then it's repeated on Sunday evening between 9 and 10. So we'll have a clip this morning that the lawyers have approved for playing on LBC with Katie Hopkins. So... It's nice, isn't it, really? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Zoe said, I can't wait for the conversation. Yes, I mean, well, I, I can't wait for it because I don't know what they've pushed through at the moment. I don't know how much of the interview they've actually passed because she was talking about... I can remember just little bits because most of it... I mean, I did feel as though I was on Mogadons or something. I kind of drifted away as she sort of droned on and on and on and on uh, about... I can't remember what it was she was talking about. And, uh, and then the lawyers have said, listen, we need to listen to it, Steve. So we'll listen to it and then we will let the producer know, I think today, exactly how much of it is transmittable. So we'll have a clip this morning at 5.30 of Katie Hopkins, so if you want to see how we got on, or didn't, then you'll have to uh, to listen in 
to that. Mark in Leon C, he says, you can get it, to let it go on YouTube in 25 languages. My favourite is the Japanese bit sung by Matsu Takako. The Russian bit sounds a bit like she's having a row with somebody. Oh, anybody speaking Russian sounds like a... I can't even do an impression of somebody speaking in Russian. <laughs> I suppose we better learn. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, did you see the bit in EastEnders? You know, they had a live bit the other day. And do you see the, uh, the actress playing Tanya Branning? She was talking to Jane Beale, and then she said, How's Adam? She is so dumb. She's so dumb. I mean, really, I think, uh, I think we're actually looking, Tanya, at the next body to be found in Albert Square. To be honest with you, I think you should have been drummed out the brownies. What a dimbo. How's Adam? Did you notice that Jane kind of... Thought, uh, she didn't really know what to say, actually. What, you know, you really need to turn around, don't you, to the camera and go, I think she's got that wrong. <laughs> that would have been much better. That would have been more entertaining. But how's Adam? Because it's played by Adam Woodyatt, as opposed to how's Ian? So, I mean, but that's really appalling. I mean, that is... She should literally... She should have been carpeted over that. But anyway, so it's uh, it's Bobby, the killer. Bobby's the killer. Little Bobby. Nobody was told, apparently. He wasn't even told till the last minute. Bless his... He was, he was tucking into a Burger King, and they went, um, It's you. And he said, Pardon? It's you. You're the killer. And so they... To make it very dramatic, because it's a bit like that down there. There's a lot of drama queens working on the set. They, they turned off all, all the CCTVs and everything else, so they could keep it a secret. So it's an 11-year-old kid nobody's ever heard of before. And, uh, and there you go. It's good, isn't it? I love it. Uh, Kevin the Miltman says, I wonder if the Burger King service will deliver to those murderers. They're two final whoppers, maybe suggesting a menu and a loyalty card. Yes. Oh, sorry, over in America. Oh, right, see what you mean. Yes, that, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Yes, you've just... Listen, if you survive till next week and you buy another one, you get a free, free milkshake. Oh, sorry. You're going to be dead by next week, aren't you? So it's not going to happen. But it's, it's quite a good... They don't do that in this country, do they? If, if we, when we had the death penalty, I don't think they offered uh, a free meal. Well, I don't think they offered a free meal. If, if they did, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't aware of it. And um, another one here. Michael says, I went to the, uh, to the GP and I've been diagnosed with diabetes. I've been given insulin. What, already? Blimey. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? He said, I'm scared of needles. Any idea on how to do it? No, you just end up hurting. OK, it's really going to hurt you a lot. You're really going to hurt a lot with the needles, you know, because they, they, they should they, they give you a test. They don't just give you needles, Michael, and say, oh, off you go then. They, uh, they, they, they test you to see whether you can do it yourself. Otherwise, you'd be handing out needles, you know, left, right and centre. Uh, another one here. I know of two guys in their 30s, says June, married couple who've just moved from Portsmouth to Luton and a single lady of 59 waiting to move from a flat in Luton to sheltered housing in Portsmouth. Which is upgrading? I mean, that's a toughie. Even I can't answer that one. I wouldn't, wouldn't know where to begin on that. Imagine, you know, we're going down to the millionaire's playground of Portsmouth. No, you're not. Once you get down there, you suddenly realise it's got more women with, with push chairs and, and children hanging off the side with fags in their mouths and rolling up spliffs than you've ever seen in your entire life. There's a clueless crook here. Paul Lawman, 37. He uh, tried to hold up a hotel with a twig. You sometimes worry about people, don't you, this day and age. If it wasn't actually so sort of sad, you'd think it was probably quite funny. And a young soldier who's gone AWOL to fight Islamic states has sent a text to his mum saying, I'm sorry, he's a 19-year-old Brit based in Cyprus, and he's headed to Syria. He said, I'm with other British people and a Canadian at the moment. I don't know how to explain it. 
to you, but I really want you to uh, to do this, and I want you to, to know that I will be safe. I've got good skills and speak the language. He's 19. He thinks he's going to go and uh, and fight ISIS. I'm not really thinking this is... I mean, I'm, perhaps I'm naive. Perhaps I'm thinking to myself that, you know, if they actually capture him over there, I wouldn't hold out much hope for him at all. I really, I really wouldn't hold out much, much hope. He says, I need to do it. I will be safe. Yeah, that's what they all thought beforehand. You know, whether you've got... I don't think you've got any skills at all at 19. Ever so sorry. I don't think you've got anything at all. You certainly don't have a brain cell engaged at the moment. Far too dangerous. Yeah, the jihadists, the teenager facing life, uh, plotting uh, a Lee Rigby-style beheading, also called for comic Russell Brand to be shot. You only had to look at him to realise he was a simpleton. Didn't you? The moment he sort of turned up, you thought to yourself, so he goes out with a hammer, an Islamic flag, and uh, his parents, who are Jehovah's Witnesses, kick him out, and, and then he becomes... I'm not surprised, he comes from a dysfunctional family to start with. He grew up in, uh, in Kennington, and, uh, and then he gets into Islamic extremism, and now he's going to be spending the rest of his life in prison. You stupid little burk. Honestly, what a silly little person. He fell in with the wrong people. No, he's a simpleton. He doesn't have a brain cell. He can't think for himself. So he falls in with some of these other little people here. And he called for Brand to be shot. And he was sort of, he was praising the people who, uh, who murdered Lee Rigby. And you think to yourself, do you know, I'm sorry if we had the death penalty. I mean, I'd be pulling the handle myself on you, mate. I really would. I just don't, you know, you can't explain the fact. I mean, would he be the loser in the class? If you, you know, when, when you were at school, cast your mind back, in many cases, it's, of course, quite difficult. But we always had the bloke who was, you know, stupid yet not savable at the back. He was the one who sort of sat at the back of the class. He, he just, there was no point in teaching him because it just went in one ear and disappeared in a void. And so they had what we called in our, in our school, leavers classes. And that was for people who were leaving but they didn't do anything. They just sort of made paper aeroplanes and sort of, you know, drew pictures in crayon and stuff like that. And then we just kicked them out of school at the end and they disappeared into the system. And he was a bit like that. You know, so his parents kick him out. And what sort of parents are they who kick somebody out because he's... Can they... I mean, are they not intelligent enough to try and educate him? I've never... I mean, is, is this normal for parents? So they're Jehovah's Witnesses and they kick out their son and then he goes and becomes a sort of a jihadist. And you think, perhaps if they hadn't kicked him out, perhaps if they'd actually talked to him or tried to educate him, perhaps he might not have gone down there. Perhaps he didn't have any friends. I mean, he looks like he didn't have any friends, didn't he, really? And he obviously thought he was being big and clever and thought that if he went out there and sort of, you know, I was going to do this, going to do that. They, they were trying to plead halfway through the, the trial, saying, no, he was just influenced by people. It wasn't true. It wasn't, it wasn't real. And you think, well, it obviously was for him because he's a simpleton. But unfortunately, in prison, he'll be mixing with other people who probably got very similar views. They'll be going, sir, you want to come have a cup of tea in the canteen? You know, we talk about this. I mean, he's not going to be coming out any time soon, is he? By which time, he's not going to learn anything. We don't, we can't sort of um, deprogram them in prison. I don't know what there is. Or do we just leave them in prison? We just lock them up. I think we should have locked the parents up, to be honest with you. Seriously. Jehovah's Witnesses? <laughs> do me a favour. So you kick him out. What for? It's like sort of kicking somebody out because you know your son or your daughter's gay and they kick them out. You go, what, what, would that, what purpose would that do? Because then when you find the, uh, you know, the, the two people in, in prison for committing murder, and one of them, this is Mark Goodwin, he actually was a, commonly known as a gay basher for want of it, and he's gay all the time. All the time he's gay. As indeed most people who commit homophobic acts are. They're generally gay. 
they're generally suppressing it because they because they don't like that kind of thing. But secretly, they do like that kind of thing, and that's why they've been strangely drawn together in prison. You know, two uglies together, two cold-blooded killers. Perhaps they're both. Do- perhaps perhaps one of them's grooming the other one. Perhaps he'll be found dead in his cell because I don't know how this is going to work out. I couldn't care whether they get married. I'm not bothered about that side of it. I'm just worried about the fact that they're two people who've murdered gay people. One is gay and a convicted paedophile, and the other one is uh, went out gay bashing, and now he's now he's found a boyfriend in prison. They're going to be getting some nice letters, aren't they, from people on the outside? Uh, who are the uh, two most powerful people in the uh, in the election? The two most powerful people. One is called Sally Shepherd. She's self-employed beautician. And the other one is John Watering, who's a, a butcher and a part-time carer for his wife. Why are these people here um, the most interesting people? Because they say here that uh, their views will be crucial. They're two floating voters from marginal constituencies who are typical of people across the country. Because, I don't know, judging by some of the, uh, the texts and the emails that, you know, radio and television uh, stations get, some of these people are actually quite worrying because they vote but, in fact, you've got a rough idea, haven't you, that they've got no idea, you know, what they're voting for. And the, the worst ones for me are the people who go, I'm not going to vote. You go, why? It's not going to make any difference. And so they don't vote. I did love the story. I have to, I have to bring it to you uh, just after the news, because what a lot of people, drug dealers in particular, do nowadays is they're called swallowers. They, uh, they generally come into the country... Uh, from Jamaica, all sorts of places they come in from, and uh, they stand there, and the uh, the customs are quite well used to spotting these people. Sometimes they sweat excessively because they've swallowed condoms with heroin or crack cocaine in, and they can swallow up to 30 or 40 of them. So they come in. Now, of course, if one of them bursts, they drop dead on the spot, and that's the danger for them. So they come into the country, and they uh, they attempt to get through customs. Very rarely do they get through. Really, very rarely. They stand there and they go, so you've just come from so-and-so, so-and-so. And you look at them, and they're generally poor people fighting a drug habit. And they've been persuaded to become drug mules. And the swallowing is fairly popular. And all they do is they just wait for the uh, for the natural body process to go through. And they're generally in a cell with a special toilet so that once it goes through, then they can get it, and then they convict them, and then they go to prison. We've got a story of two coming up in a moment, which will absolutely... You'll be going, are you serious? These ones here are even... They're even more dumb than you can possibly imagine. So we'll tell you the story about uh, them as well. And also, the story of Matthew Stevens. Who, I don't even know who he is. Have you heard of Matthew Stevens, Beth? No. He's apparently the former UK championship winner... He plays snooker. He was dubbed the Carmarthen Potter. And uh, he won 260,000. He beat Phil Taylor uh, in a televised tournament. And um, he bounced back this week, knocking uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan out of the Welsh Open in the third round. Um, And he's just been declared bankrupt. Now, you know how much that annoys me. People who earn this sort of money, 260,000 here. And... um, he, uh, he's been declared insolvent. The HM Revenue Customs filed the petition in July, raising concerns about his tax contribution. In other words, he's had the money, but he's sticking two fingers up to them and you. He ain't going to be paying it any time soon. So he's bankrupt. Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, the posh former public schoolboy. We named him on this programme yesterday. and uh, He's been pictured with Nigel Farage. Nothing wrong with that. Loads of people are probably pictured with Nigel Farage. Uh, the parents have said, no, he's not racist. 
Chelsea have suspended three people. I think this one's going to be the whitewash of all whitewashes. They want to brush it under the carpet as quick as possible. There's going to be no prosecutions, nobody banned from life. I'll be very, very surprised because they won't have any evidence. They've got evidence that people were saying it. Whether you can link it to a particular person, unless you do voice recognition, I can't imagine. Naomi Campbell, what is going on in that woman's brain? Sorry, Naomi, Earth to Naomi. She started wearing fox fur again. The fox suffers so badly, she couldn't care less, could she? Because Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's nice to have anybody's company on a Friday. It's the 20th of February. It's raining in London, in Beijing. It's snowing. And probably in Scotland, there's snow as well. And it's cold and it's miserable. But we don't care, do we? Because it's Friday. And we love Friday. Uh, Burger King offering free home delivery. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're that bone idle that you can't actually go out and get a burger, you, you deserve to starve, I'm afraid. Uh, the posh public schoolboy who supports the UKIP leader. They managed to get pictures of him with Farage now. Who killed Lucy Beale? Bobby Beale killed Lucy Beale. He's the 11-year-old boy. I wasn't even aware of who he was. I wish we put money on it. Hashtag liar. And uh, heroin. I must tell you the story about the heroin. And Naomi Campbell as well. And fur. Yes, Naomi Campbell. Oh, I'd rather go naked than wear fur. She's either a compulsive liar, or she seems to think that we've got either very short memories, because here she is, pictured in the paper today, wearing fox. And you know how they strip the fur from foxes while they're alive. You know how badly they're treated. Obviously, I shouldn't imagine Naomi Campbell, who generally sticks two fingers up to everybody, as she seems to think she's some sort of princess from Streatham, I ask you. And uh, she thinks it's OK to wear fur. You know, presumably if somebody's paying enough, she'll she'll bend over and take the golden shilling. Talking of bending over and taking the golden shilling, two dealers wedged heroin and crack up their bottom. Um, and uh, their names are Joseph Amberwen and Eve Natuli Ecola. It's so funny because the, uh, the police said, we want to do an internal. They went, no. You're not going anywhere near it. But, of course, they're more than happy to put it there themselves, but they don't want anybody else messing around with it, which was uh, wonderful. One of them had 99 wraps of crack cocaine in his bottom. He was waddling like a duck before his arrested Ipswich. And at one point during his fast, he got so exhausted, he began to slur and they called a doctor. Anyway, they're crack cocaine dealers, and uh, now they're crack cocaine dealers in prison. Which is hilarious, isn't it? So all the police do is they just sit back and wait for nature to take its course. And I'm glad he was exhausted. Uh, the other one had 50 wraps of crack and, uh, and heroin. Police were keen to offer drink and food. They were declined because they knew. I mean, they, they must be really dim. Because, you know, all they'll do is they just make them agonise. They couldn't care less how much, they, uh, how much agony they actually uh, go through. They, uh, they admitted possessing crack and heroin intent to supply. One was jailed for three years, and the other one a year in a Young Offenders Institute. So uh, there they are. But, of course, they'll both be used to uh, prison life. Well, they will now that people know what they've been getting up to. I love your show, says Nick. Listen to it on podcast, which is great. Did you talk about uh, Katie Boring Price with Katie Hopkins? Oh, I can't remember. I can't, seriously, I can't remember. I don't know what we spoke about. I mean, it's, you can imagine... You know, it was a bit of a tense time in the studio. We have to have security. The police have to come in and sweep the building. You know, and we had sniffer dogs in. And um, and then, you know, there's a lawyer sitting one side of the glass. And I've got a lawyer in with me as well. And then she comes in. And, of course, she's in disguise. She doesn't come in looking like... So, in fact, nobody knew it was her. 
Nobody knew it was her at all. So the whole idea is we weren't allowed to say when she was coming in, at what time into the building for security reasons, because they say, have you read her column in the sun? And it's fairly hard hitting. It upsets people like uh, Colleen Nolan and, and people like that. So it was all it was all da- It's a bit cloak and dagger, to be honest with you. I thought it was a bit far fetched. I mean, why did I have to dress up? You know, what was the point? What was the point of that? Anyway, so she sort of dresses up and we do this interview. And as I've said to you, we will have a clip this morning at 5.30 of the bit the lawyers have passed with Katie Hopkins. And uh, I don't know what she's going to be talking about in it. I can't, can't remember any of the interview. I can remember me talking quite a bit at the beginning because she was staring at me. And and I kept thinking to myself, she's going to hit me. And and I thought, okay. so I, I kept talking, thinking that if I keep talking when she hits me, then at least you'll hear it in the, in the conversation. I've got some, some sort of recourse. But uh, what happened, you'll have to find out on Sunday morning. But a clip this morning, uh, the two guests for this weekend's In Conversation, if it's got through, a bit of Katie Hopkins, uh, who does have a column today. I wonder who she mentions in it. <coughs> and uh, the other one, Nicholas Owen, who was just, Lovely and charming and witty and incisive and just really, really nice. Really, really nice. And he celebrates 51 years in journalism. University of Brighton gave him a doctorate, which was all very lovely. He enjoyed it. And uh, we talked about trains. He talked about his vasectomy. I didn't want to talk about it. And so that you'll hear on Sunday morning as well. So here's Naomi Campbell. And it was only a few years ago that Naomi Campbell, in a PETA campaign, we'd rather go naked than wear fur. And here she is, dressed up. In uh, fur, fox fur. She wasn't alone. Singer Chris Brown and girlfriend uh, Kiruch Tran also joined the sickening new legion of real fur fans. They wore it at a at a, at a designer show. Uh, breaking her silence, uh, Campbell told the big issue in 2000. I made a mistake with Petter. I found them quite violent, and I wanted to disassociate myself with them. Last December, she was branded a hypocrite. Oh, she's vile as a person. Vile, cruel, and disgusting for showing off a Christmas present from Givenchy designer Ricardo Tiski of a fur and snakeskin handbag on Instagram. I mean, it's, it's really... I mean, I know that H&M, H&M, Zara, New Look, Topshop and All Saints have a strict no-fur policy. Selfridges and House of Fraser are also fur-free. Uh, people like Stella McCartney, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren and Vivian Westwood refuse to get blood on their hands, banning the use of real fur in their collections because you can have fake fur. You can have fake fur, you can have faux fur, and it looks like real fur. Naomi Campbell is just disgusting. You know, the trouble is, she couldn't care less, though. She, she's so stuck up that uh, she wouldn't realise that, uh, that it really is so bad. I mean, last year, Copenhagen Fur, which is the world's biggest fur auction house, sold 21 million skins. 21. That was worth about 1.4 billion. And uh, one coat takes up to 40 animals to make it. Did you know that? 40 animals. So, raccoon, dog, uh, silver fox, chinchilla, fox and mink, the most popularly used for, for production. When it comes to foxes, they strip them of their fur while they're alive. They strip them of their fur while they're alive. And that's what this vile person is wearing. That's what she's wearing. She's wearing fox. And it's just appalling. It's just appalling. I remember... Once I was walking around the back of the Theatre Royal Drury Lane and one of the cast members there, there was a Russian woman or American, whoever she was, you could tell she wasn't English, walking towards him wearing a fur coat. And as he got level with her, he went, pointed at her and went, ugh, dead animal. And she, of course, because if you go to Russia and if you go to Vienna and if you go to any of these really cold countries, people walk around in fur coats. There are, if you go to Vienna, 
up and down the Kettnerstrasse, which is uh, down to St Stephen's from the Opera House. It's their big upmarket thing. There'll be at least half a dozen shops selling fur. Real fur. But then when you look at Naomi Campbell, she couldn't care less. Why should she care? You know, perhaps the next time we see her, perhaps we can sort of, you know, start shouting out things at her like, Ugh! Disgusting! Dead animal! Dead animal. But they're all pictured wearing it. All pictured wearing it. I mean, it's it's a little bit... It's a little bit, you know, I mean... <sighs> If it takes up to, what is it, 40 skins to make an animal, uh, to, to make a coat, I just think I just think it's so vile. They keep them in cages, they take them out, but it's the fox in particular, and that's why Naomi Campbell is particularly revolting, that they strip them while they're alive. And you see the animals hanging there, you know, as they're slowly... I mean, it's just appalling, it's just appalling. And believe you me, I'm no great sort of campaigner for sort of, you know, animal rights and that kind of stuff. I just think it's wrong. And if she, you know, then goes, you know, I don't want to wear fur, put your foot down, you stupid woman. We know you don't really have a brain cell. You know, you are just a clothes horse, dear. Somebody puts their clothes on and you troll up and down a catwalk. It's not exactly clever, is it? You don't need a brain for doing something like that. Uh, Awful weather, says Noreen. Bucketed down here yesterday. We had a bit of rain. We didn't have too much rain. But uh, she says, I don't watch EastEnders, but I gather everybody thought it was Jane, but it was Bobby! And Cathy returned. I thought she died years ago when I watched. Maybe it was like Bobby Ewing returning after a whole season and reappearing in the shower. For Gogglebox fans, for Gogglebox fans, it's back. Hope your foot is better. Well, I'm putting this um, this cream on at the moment, so I'm waiting to see whether or not that uh, that works. I don't know whether it goes straight away. Uh, doing quite well, says Junior. No more chemotherapy, total remission, but I'm only getting five hours sleep a night. I know how you feel. Actually, five hours I can cope with. I can I can cope with. Uh, cope with? Cope with. He said, listening to you talking about Mrs Rooney and her swag had me creasing myself. Yes, I mean, I had to mention Mrs Rooney on a beach, bless her heart, the really intelligent one in the Rooney family. And she's she was wearing £800,000 worth of jewellery on a beach. £800,000 worth. It's kind of like having a big sign saying, I've got lots of expensive jewellery with me, please come and rob me. You know, she's wearing £400,000 earrings. People would chop her ears off to get £400,000 worth of diamond earrings. Perhaps she's too, perhaps she's too dim to realise. I don't know. I'm just waiting to see a story that, uh, that, she has been, uh, that she's been robbed. I'm just, I'm just waiting to see it, in which case I might have to laugh secretly like, <laughs> like that. Uh, 84850, Lee says, with any luck, Naomi's fur fox still has traces of mange. She's worth it. I think it's terrible, isn't it, that somebody could actually do... I mean, do you think if you actually said to Naomi Cameron, Oi, come here. Oi, Stretton Bird, come here. And dragged her along to watch a fox being slowly strangled and somebody with a knife cutting the fur off it, do you think she'd be equally as thrilled? Do you think? No, of course she wouldn't. Of course she wouldn't. Uh, I agree with you about voting. Everybody should vote with their conscience. Uh, if your choice doesn't get in, it sends a message to whoever wins. Well, you've got to vote. There's no point in not voting. That's just dumb. People who say, oh, it's not going to make any difference. Well, I mean, if everybody thought like that, we wouldn't ever make any difference. You've got to vote. You've got to vote. Roger says the government used to pay a bounty on grey squirrel tails. Yeah, but what's the point of just cutting the tail off of a, of a squirrel? So he's obviously catching them. And he's cutting... Perhaps he's one of these simpletons you see wandering up down the high street in camouflage gear. Have you seen them? You sometimes get these sort of, these sort of college students, you know, because we are goths. We are goths. We've got a couple of hairdressers in Twickenham. I can only, I'm, I'm not sure whether they're male or female. I'm seriously... I'm, I'm, I might need to take a picture and put it out to a vote because I cannot tell. One of them, he's got bleached hair, he's very fat, and he carries a woman's handbag, and I'm not too sure what he is. I mean, I'm assuming he's a man, but I might be wrong on this thing. 
So, um, I don't know why I mentioned that, actually. It's got nothing at all to do with what we were talking about on the programme. So, oh, that's right, the bounty on the grey squirrel tails. And it'll be one of these strange people who walks on and goes to college, you know, because I'm a goth kind of thing. I've got tattoos up my neck and I've got a T-shirt with, you know, the establishment written on the front of it. That's the sort of thing they, they do, isn't it? I don't understand why you'd want to just disfigure a squirrel. You know, I know they're vermin, I know they can cause a lot of trouble, but, I mean, to just disfigure something just kind of defeats the object, as far as I'm concerned. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 5.20, it's uh, Friday. So Burger King have decided, uh, at eight of their establishments, they're going to do home delivery. Home delivery. Uh, but only at these places. Northampton, Romford, Truro, Hornchurch, Hull, Skegness, Hayes and Gants Hill. And then a possible national rollout later this year. And, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, as I said before, if you're that bone idle, you can't actually get off your bottom and get out there and go and get a burger. And so you sit at home and you get... And that's a small wonder that the country is going to the dogs. Because now you sit there and the fat-busting food that is out there, you can now... You don't even have to go and get it. They'll deliver it to your door. What next? Colonel Sanders making a delivery, a kindly old man with white hair and a coat, will turn up at your door and give you some gut-busting chicken. That'd be nice, won't it? Apparently, one poor man in Glasgow says I'm not eligible because my postcode doesn't fit there. I'm assuming you sort of phone up and somebody will sort of struggle through and go, yeah, what do you want? Um, Whopper, yeah. I mean, it's going to be fraught with danger, isn't it? Look at the areas. Look at the areas. Romford, Hayes, Gants Hill... It's just fraught with danger. Okay, onion ring, onion ring, onion rings. Uh, tick the box. Uh, fries, yeah. Small, medium, large, large. Whopper. Can I have the whopper without the lettuce? Oh, whopper without the lettuce. I mean, it could take for days, couldn't it? To be honest with you, it'd be better off getting the car out and driving down there and getting it. But most of you have pizza deliveries, don't you now? I love the pizza delivery people. I always say, because a friend of mine used to have a restaurant that uh, they, they, did, they did pizzas. And he said, you can make a pizza for about a pound. Less than that nowadays. So when they go, and it's only £10.99, and we give you a free can of Coke or a Vianetta, and you think, of course you can. There's so much profit in pizza. And we seem to like pizza. I haven't had pizza for ages. In fact, I never, eat, I never cook pizza at home. I never do, because it's so fattening. Um, MPs want more help for women at work. So they're thinking to give mothers paid breaks so they can go breastfeeding, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Uh, also, Cinderella's minuscule waist has been airbrushed in the latest film from Kenneth Branagh. But he insisted no digital trickery was at work. He said, to all the airbrush conspiracy theorists, I can answer no. I mean, her waist is tiny. This is Lily James. I mean, it, it really is. I think the smallest waist I'd ever seen was a girl who used to work at Heaven. I cannot remember her name. Her waist was something like... It sounds ridiculous, but it was about ten inches. Seriously, I've never seen a waist like it. She had a corset that pulled her waist in so much so it was, you could get your hands around it easily. Seriously, I've never seen anything like it. And I think Diana Ross had a 19-inch waist. That was considered tiny. I mean, ain't it good, Lord, honestly. Some of us dream of that. Well, you know, just being in double figures would be quite nice. Uh, Trust you are well, says Michael Dennis, the black cab poet. He says, I had a check-up at the doctor's 
a few weeks ago. X-ray, blood tests. I was quite worried as to the outcome. Thankfully, though, I came out quite unscathed. A little bit more proactive in the looking after myself bit more department, taking into account my sedentary job. So I posted a poem about this on my Facebook page, and Noreen and Jackie said it could be the one for you to read out. It's called Doctor's Orders. Of course, it applies to anybody who does go to the doctor, and uh, it's, it's some advice for, uh, well, for every, anybody, really. My doctor says I must get something done, as my cholesterol is 6.1. He said I really need to concentrate on bringing levels down and losing weight. The blood test gave my liver the all-clear. He still advised me, though, to watch the beer. Eat sensibly and get some exercise. Fresh fruit and veg, more oily fish, no fries. A Mediterranean eating plan, smaller amounts than often if I can. He asked me if I'd like a diet sheet. That tells me what I can and cannot eat. My sugar levels, he said, were OK and no reason for worry or dismay. But I should start to think about my health, focus more on looking after myself. That's easier to say than do, I find, if you're not in the right frame of mind. When confidence... And self-belief are low. It's hard to motivate yourself and go. That extra mile in order to achieve the goals you set yourself as you believe that it will be a pointless exercise for when you slip up, you will criticise yourself for being lazy and weak-willed and you will wind up feeling unfulfilled. You may very well question yourself why and what's the point of bothering to try. But listen here, that's not the way to go. There's more to you than meets the eye, you know. There's no end to your possibilities, so be that soul that everyone else sees. There you go. That's so right, actually, when you go to the doctor. I went the other day to the doctor. You know, I spent, spent most of my time in the doctors. And I quite like it. I quite like going. It's, I bumped into, I was sitting next to a man the other day. And uh, nobody says anything in the doctors. You just sit there staring at the walls. And um, somebody came out and said something to me. And he said, I thought it was you. People always say that. They always say, I thought it was you. As if, you know, I'm supposed to be somebody else. They go, I thought it was you. And he's sitting there. So literally in the three minutes while I waited for, uh, for the doctor to come and see me, he told me he'd had a skiing accident. He'd fallen over. He'd done his hand in. Then he'd done his leg in. Then he'd had various other problems. And so I got his complete medical history, which is what people do when they're doctors, don't they? They always tell people medical, <laughs> medical histories. Uh, Danny late of Hale's Horrors, says, uh, uh, with not being able to take any painkillers for another four hours, or I will exceed my dosage and life each day starting to resemble a one-foot-in-the-grave episode, thank you for the all-too-brief two-and-a-half hours of having your feet firmly planted on the ground. He said, thank you for the company and the much-needed laughs at how ridiculous life can be. Did you hear the other day, Dan, the woman who... Um, She's an ex-C of E administrator, Church of England administrator. Why that came into it, I've got no idea. But uh, she had a little garden, and um, they've diverted the... They, they've, they've changed the buses. So the buses used to be single-decker. Now the buses are double-decker. And guess what? They can look into her garden. And she thinks that the people on the buses are looking into her bedroom. She thinks they're looking into her bedroom. Whereas I spend most of my time peering into other people's windows... Seriously, that's part of my role in life. I want to know what's going on. And so I look in, in other people's windows. She didn't like it, so she's complained. She's complained bitterly. It's awful, people peering in my windows. And I thought, and also looking at her garden, she said, they might be looking to rob me. And I thought, why? Why would they want to rob you? I didn't quite understand that at all. But that, that was the story. And that's how you suddenly realise that life is so stupid that people worry about somebody looking at their garden. Looking at their garden from a bus. From a bus. Ridiculous. 
Steve, I stopped watching EastEnders years ago. The storylines and the changing of characters every five minutes, plus the whole square all related to each other, is not realistic anymore. Well, it doesn't really reflect, but they've said they don't want to reflect the diversity of London. They've, they've quite categorically stated, because if you go through London, it's a cornucopia of lots and lots of different people, isn't it? Every, every culture, every creed, every language, everything in London. And yet EastEnders doesn't seem to reflect that at all. It really doesn't, you know. To see all the stallholders, most of whom appear to be white, of course, is no representation. But they've said they don't want to represent, you know, they don't want to do a stereotypical thing. They just want to do what they want to do, and so that's the way that they've actually done it. And it doesn't make any difference to me, because they never believed the rubbish in the first place. You know, from the moment that poor old Reg was found, found dead in his chair in his flat, from uh, all the way through to people leaving and that... <laughs> kind of thing, where we all go, oh my god, somebody's going to die. Like the actress, I mean, she's going to be found dead in the square shortly, because she messed up her lines, and didn't say uh, Ian Beale, she called him Adam, as in Adam Woodyatt. And of course, because it was a live episode, they couldn't do anything about it, so Jane just had to sort of stare at her and go, he's fine, thinking, is somebody going to shout cut? No, they're not, because we're live. Oh my god. Terrible. Here are the flats in Luton. It's lovely. And uh, they're, they're really good. But they've been selling them uh, in the fact that Luton is a suburb of London, which, as far as I know, it isn't. Uh, Restroke Max Property Centre's advert says the, uh, the luxury flats in the Bedfordshire town were close to one of the world's leading financial districts and in one of the most cosmopolitan areas of London. It went on many of the city's famous landmarks. Extensive transport routes, social and cultural attractions are on your doorstep. I mean... Um, Luton's 35 miles away from London, which means a season ticket is £3,924. They make it sound like it's round the corner, which is absolute rubbish. They're selling the flats uh, here for a two-bedroom penthouse, 534000 One-bedroom flats are 354000 for one bedroom in Luton. That dump. You must be joking. The vacant site, incidentally, is far from the lively capital and to be honest with you, I don't think they're built yet. I don't think they're anywhere near built. They say the market for the flats was typically investors in China and Malaysia. It's Luton. It's not London. It's Luton. Ridiculous. But uh, there's also going to be... A, oh, God, wait for this one. There you go. This will guarantee not to sell it to you. It's also got to contain affordable housing and student rooms. Well, you don't want to buy any flat where it's got affordable housing. That'll be burnt-out cars. And, uh, and students drunken slobs hanging around the co- all right darling <sighs> student mate student yeah what's an art student <sighs> yeah you want, you want a bit of this it's really good stuff really good stuff we're growing it on the roof <laughs> unbelievable isn't it quick time check 5 30 steve allen on lbc morning everybody it's nice to have your company daniel says i've uh, just ordered your book thank you very much indeed and, and somebody else wrote in and uh her name's Deb. Deb's got a boyfriend. Boyfriend called Steve. So their website is Deb and Steve, you know, which is quite sweet. And she says, I've listened to LBC for the first time this morning. Your show is fantastic. I've never heard anything like it before in my life. I know. And you can podcast as well, Deb. So uh, if you'd like to uh, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And thank you for all the, thank you for all the comments. It's really sweet. Thank you. And uh, I'll send you the, uh, the photo as requested. OK, love you too. Love you too. Uh, 84850, uk. <laughs> and uh, now this weekend on In Conversation, 
Oh dear, yes. This this weekend might actually be the one that goes down in history. The week started quite well. The week started quite well because we have two guests every week. This programme runs on a Sunday morning between 5 and 6am and then it's repeated of an evening between 9 and 10. And so you get a good budget. So actually, if you can't believe what you've heard first time round, you get to hear it the second time round a little bit later on. And coming up on this weekend's In Conversation, Nicholas Owen, journalist, television presenter and radio presenter. And here's uh, Nicholas talking a little bit about how he started his journalism career. It, it was a great time to be in Fleet Street, to be on newspapers in Fleet Street, because I went on, I even worked for a newspaper that some older listeners might just recall, called the Daily Sketch, a real old-fashioned tabloid. My goodness, that was fun. But I decided I didn't want to be that sort of journalist. I wanted to be a bit more serious, which people who listen and watch me today might be a bit surprised about that. Mm. But uh, I went on to the Daily Telegraph, then the Financial Times. Oh, wow. Great days. I, I, I look back, you know, and think to myself, did I really do all that? That was in the 1970s. Yes. Wonderfully turbulent times. And, of course, journalists like turbulent. Yes. Well, That's what we do. The more turbulent, the more everybody enjoyed it. Nicholas Owen. A lot more from him on Sunday morning. Now, the other interview we've got running this week is, uh, is journalist and television personality Katie Hopkins, who, it has to be said, when we did the interview, the lawyers have listened to it. This is uh, the clip. That I've, I've got no idea what, what clip they've given us. This, this is what uh, arrived in the inbox this morning, so we've not had a chance to listen to it. So this is just part of the conversation from this Sunday with the uh, controversial Katie Hopkins. Either people hate it, hate it, or they love it, love it. And that's it. That's the only bit that they will allow to be played in advance of the interview on Sunday. So I'm as much in the dark as you are. I'm hoping that it goes OK. According to her column today, she enjoyed talking to me and meeting me. Now, whether or not the lawyers have actually allowed the interview through, I don't know. There were some controversial bits in it, uh, some bits which needed looking at for the legal uh, the legal aspect. So uh, you'll have to join me on Sunday morning to hear the rest of that interview. Well, I said most of the interview with Katie Hopkins, because if that's the only bit they're going to give us to play on the Friday, we're not doing particularly well, are we? I hope the other thing lasts a bit longer because I don't have anything in. Oh, I do actually. I've got one interview in reserve. I've got one interview in backup. So if the whole thing changes dramatically, you will be aware that you heard it first on uh, on LBC. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at LBC.co.uk. Uh, Steve, try hailing a black cab after a night at the West End. Way to go, Gov. Luton, you having some joke? I agree. And Julian says squirrels use their tails to keep their balance when they jump around in trees. Yes, they do. They do. Um, Matt's heading down to, uh, to Devon. He comes from Ely. Now, I've been to Ely, and for the life of me, I can't remember why I've been to Ely. Perhaps, is there a cathedral there or something? I think there's a cathedral, isn't there, at Ely? For some reason, my family, we're not particularly a religious family, but we seem to spend most of our formative years going round cathedrals and stuff like that. <laughs> I can't think of any reason. But anyway, uh, Matt's going down there uh, to Devon, surfing for the weekend. Come to London, we've got enough water around here. You could surf up and down uh, in, uh, in Leicester Square. He says, we've got five hours journey ahead with my mate Stuart. Oh, God, you'll feel like killing him by the time you've got halfway down the motorway. You, you'll, you'll Seriously, you'll run out of patience with him. You'll run out of patience. You'll just you'll, you'll lose the will to live. At the moment, he's stew, and we're getting you know, great fun. You watch. 
Another two hours of this, you'll be throwing him through the window. It's the way it goes, isn't it? You know, we're going surfing. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to dump you by the side of the motorway. 84850, uh, Another one here. Let's try and get as many as we, uh, as we can in. And this is uh, from, 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 uh, from Tom. He says, after two years of visiting the GP every four weeks, minimum for medical certificates, I've now completed all my examinations. So there you go. See, uh, so that's good, isn't it? So at least it's all going quite well. He says, I won't need another certificate for 12 months. My GP's comment was, please still come and see me. It makes a nice change to see someone genuinely, seriously ill and happy. That's nice, isn't it, really? I, like, I don't get anything like that from my, my GPs, but I do like this. Uh, do, I do like them. Uh, Jerry says, for those who are not in the know, could you give us a two-minute rundown on how we might know Katie? Which one? There's so many of them nowadays. Could be your next-door neighbour, Katie. I don't know. I don't know which one you're talking about. Uh, the story about the bus is nothing, says Helen, compared to my experience of a hot air balloon flying so low over my cottage that the basket nearly touched the roof. All the people were looking down and pointing, going, oh, look at those gardens. We well, see, I love that. I love things like that. Balloon ride over somebody's house is just amazing. And, of course, we look. This, this woman... And it's immaterial whether or not she was a C of E administrator, unless you put it down to the fact that she's obviously not terribly Christian, you know, in her attitude. You know, if you, if you do your garden nicely and you have it nicely, surely the whole advantage is of doing that and spending time there. You want people to appreciate it and look over and go, that looks lovely, doesn't it? These people are sitting on the top of the bus. They couldn't give a stuff about this woman. They couldn't care less. You know, she might have a nice little gun. She, I think, secretly... She wants to take all her clothes off, walk past the window as the bus is going past with a lot of sort of school kids on the top going, oh, look, something very old that needs ironing. And that's what they're going to be doing. And she's and I think she wants to be genuinely outraged by the whole thing. But I, d- I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen. Otherwise, you know, if you complained about every double decker bus, every double decker bus looks into people's gardens. That's the whole idea of sitting on the top deck of the bus, isn't it? You actually want to you actually want to look. You want to look into all these... Pl- I want to see how other people do their gardens. I want to see how other people decorate. I'm dead nosy. I walk past my, my neighbour's place all the time. I'm always peering in the windows. Hello? Hello? Mind you, admitted it's about two o'clock in the morning, but, I mean, you know, that's my business, isn't it? 22.06 is the time. 20 to 6 this uh, Friday morning, which is lovely. Front page of the Metro. I might as well ruin it for you, because you're all going to be sitting on the trains very shortly, and the, the only thing to read is the Metro. But it's funny, it must be the only paper that's read and then thrown away. Most people keep a newspaper with they do, do, for, for, the, for the day, but they don't on the trains. You get on the train and there's hundreds and thousands of copies of the Metro all over the place. Would it not be easier just to have a screen on the train and you have somebody sitting there going, OK, let's have a look through the papers today. I think they should really transmit this programme on the trains in the morning. Because most people sit there miserable as sin. You might as well at least have a laugh as you're going into work, because it's not much fun at all, is it? There's a henna tattoo alert over a hair dye death. I shall uh, come around to that in the next part of the programme. And uh, and also, the uh, the victim, this is uh, Suleiman, who was the black guy. He doesn't speak any English. This is the one who was pushed off the train, quite literally. He says the racist train thug should be locked up. And what they're looking for is who mouthed those words, we're racist, we're racist, and that's the way we like it. The former public schoolboy, this is uh, Joshua Parsons. Uh, he's been suspended by a Mayfair finance company last night after being spotted in this video. But he might just have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's no evidence that he did anything at all. And he's met Nigel Farage. Uh, his family have defended him. UKIP were very quick to distance itself after a picture emerged of him with Nigel. Uh, Joshua was an employer at the Business and Commercial Finance Club. 
Uh, they've launched an investigation saying it was utterly opposed to racism. Well, how are they going to launch an investigation? Do they, have a, do they have a clip of this? You know, he, he might just have been... I mean, he might have been in Paris for something else. He might have just been standing on the train, not having the faintest idea what was going on. I mean, how many times... you imagine you find yourself standing on a train? You don't then pick who you stand next to. It's a case of where you can, where you can fit yourself in. Anyway, it's unclear... Uh, whether Mr Parsons, whose family own a house in Dorking, joined in the chanting. He went to Millfield, and of course now they're going, Lily Allen and Max Mosley were educated there, like it makes any difference. And uh, somebody says, uh, an ex-pupil says, he's a lovely gentle boy who wouldn't hurt anybody. Despite his suspension, his boss said, he's not that type of person, he works with me and I'm not English. She described him as a little boy in the wrong place at the wrong time. She said after being identified, he'd have been scared to go out to work, even if he was not suspended. Chelsea said three fans have been given temporary bans, but there's about five of them here. About five of them. But how they're going to work out who's... Because somebody could say, oh, somebody was just mouthing it as a joke, but somebody else used the words. There's all sorts of ways around it, isn't there? All sorts of ways around it. We'll wait and see what happens on that one. I'm sure that it will, it will run for a little while. The schoolboy who stabbed his teacher and injured another pupil, has walked free from court. He's been ordered to pay his victims £75 each. He's an unnamed 13-year-old. 30, he launched the attack. We can wait for this. He wanted to hurt someone. He's 13 years old. Again, quite clearly, remedial, needs some mental help. And uh, he went to a technology college. He fled the scene. He was arrested that, that day, clutching a bag of Lego and several knives. Not the dreaded Lego again, that comes back. He admitted malicious wounding, a 12-month referral order with anger management help. At 13, ladies and gentlemen, anger management help. It's hilarious. The judge accepted that, if dealt with firmly, he'd pose no further threat. However, the campaigner against knife crime, Caroline Shearer, said it was a disgrace he'd not been locked up. But, and I have to possibly agree and disagree with her, what purpose would locking him up do? Would it teach him right from wrong? It comes down to the parents. That's where you learn things from. You learn it from your parents. So this, uh, this Muslim boy who went to the dark side, kicked out by his parents, because they were Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean, where did they expect him to go? He quite clearly doesn't have any friends. Now he's got no friends at all, but people in prison will be wanting to make friends with him, won't they? The deadly danger of the cool shisha pipes. Uh, popular in British bars and cafes. They're thought to be less harmful. Uh, as the smoke passes through water. I have to tell you, this is not the case. Tests have showed that smokers breathe in more than 26 times the recommended maximum daily exposure to uranium. And a typical one-hour session on a shisha pipe can be as harmful as smoking 200 cigarettes. They've not done this here. This has been done in Jordan. In Jordan, they've done the research. Dr Akil Al-Kazwini says it's important to highlight the fact that water is mainly cooling the smoke and not filtering it, as is commonly believed. They want health warnings put on this flavoured tobacco. So, shisha pipes. So, if you have an hour session on a shisha pipe, uh, that can be as harmful as smoking up to 200 cigarettes. Ooh, uh, maybe thinking about not smoking a shisha pipe. Uh, 84850, uk. Steve, says Andrew in Shepherd's Bush, I'd be guaranteed to miss my stop if you were to be broadcast live on the tube. What a great way to commute. You imagine people say, I'm not getting off now. Can we just go one little bit further? But we want to go and see the museums. Shut up, sit down. We're listening to Steve Allen. So anyway, that would be so much better, wouldn't it? I think that would be so much better. Um, I've just had a text from Simon the Milkman. 
He's finally ditched the music radio and joined us here at LBC Land. Simon, welcome to Quality Radio, says Kevin the Milkman. About time too, actually. A Milkman listening to music. I mean, I ask you, Kevin. You and I know. That's, that's, you're on, the, you're on the, the rocky road on that one, aren't you? It's going nowhere. Quarter to six. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday, it's the 20th of February, and it's the weekend. And the weather is dreadful. It's going to be bad, in fact, all the way through, I'm afraid. You're not going to get any respite with the weather. It's going to be wet and miserable, and uh, and that's just today, and then tomorrow's going to be bad, and then Sunday's going to be bad. I don't know why we mentioned the weather, actually, too. I shouldn't imagine you're really... I mean, it's not, going to, it's not going to affect anything, is it? You're not going to be that particularly bothered by whether or not it's going to be raining later on today. I mean, I don't think so. It, it was raining when I came in, so it's no doubt going to be raining when I leave here a little bit later on. A uh, bit, bit of a problem at, um, at the snooker the other day. A Muslim snooker player has been forced to deny he supports the Islamic State after wearing an ISIS badge. It had televised match. Rory McLeod caused a stir on Twitter when viewers spotted the label during his game against Ronnie O'Sullivan in the Welsh Open. McLeod has got ISIS on his waistcoat. Is this guy for real, one tweeter wrote. Mr McLeod, 43, said the logo referred to ISIS Business Solutions, an accountancy in Wellingborough, which has sponsored him for 14 years. Might be advisable, actually, at this particular moment in time to sort of change the name, would you not think so? Seeing as at the moment people see something different, you know, Muslim man with the word ISIS on a badge, you know, people quite clearly, Mr McLeod, are going to be seeing the wrong thing. It's no good you trying to explain it and, uh, and how sweet that you did that you're sponsored by an accountancy firm for 14 years. But really, it's, uh, it's enough to sort of make most people's hackles rise, even beyond belief. Um, there's lots of people talking about the couple who won all that money on the internet, uh, on, the, on the lottery. 6.9 million. And because they've got a, uh, a daughter who has had, uh, you know, she's got cerebral palsy, so she's in a wheelchair, they're going to spend it on a bungalow to adapt it so that they're going to, they're going to be able to do very, very well. So well done to all those people there. Uh, somebody wrote in and says, well done, a lottery winner that truly deserves it, which, of course, is a load of claptrap because there have been hundreds and hundreds of lottery winners who've given money away. There was that couple who gave all their money away all that money away to charity. They actually wanted to help as many people as possible. They had there the amount of money they needed to live on for the rest of their lives. And so, you know, when somebody writes in and says, oh, at last, a lottery winner that truly deserves it, there have been hundreds. So very patronising of the Metro, not to mention all the other people who've given hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds away to charity. People talking about, you know, Chelsea fans filmed pushing a black man off the Paris Metro. The worst part is that every team Every team has a small minority. It's even worse in some parts of Europe. I mean, football clubs cannot control what their fans are like outside of the ground. Uh, one here from a guy who lives in Hertfordshire said, I'm a Chelsea fan who went to the FA Cup semi-final where we lost to Manchester City. The verbal abuse and gestures the fan made uh, deterred me from taking my sons to a game. I love cricket. and I think West Indies and Sri Lankan cricket fans show the best way to enjoy a game. I think you find this all over the place, don't you? This, this racism that, uh, that permeates... Football. It probably permeates everything. It's just it's a bit more, it's a bit more obvious when it comes uh, comes on onto football. And so these people uh, on the train, I wouldn't have known that they were Chelsea fans. I don't think they were wearing anything that signified they were Chelsea fans. They just look, they just look normal. Well, I say normal, as normal as sort of fans can. And perhaps they didn't realise, although people should be aware nowadays. And I only mention it in passing, in that if you if you go out and you deliberately, you know, make. Uh, make these sort of comments, there's going to be somebody somewhere 
who's actually got a mobile phone, and they don't they don't need to bring out a big camera now and a crew and things like that. It can be filmed on a little tiny little tiny mobile phone, little tiny mobile phone, and it's just you know it's one of those sort of things that you should be aware of because people can find you and then they go, I never did that, I never did that, and they go, uh, let's just show the video, shall we, in court. And before you know where you are, you're actually convicted. Where this one goes, I've got no idea. Uh, so the, uh, it's uh, speculation over over on EastEnders. Now we found Lucy's killer and it turns out to be Bobby Beale. Fantastic. Nobody knew who he was. He just turned up and there he is. And he didn't know until the last minute, apparently, like, really big deal. And uh, I think it's an awful lot. I think his agent should be suing uh, for distress. Uh, the reason being that, you know, yesterday he was just a happy little boy going around looking forward to learning his lines. Now he's been exposed as a killer. He's going to get hate mail. He will get hate mail. Believe you me, there will be hate mail turning up at the studio because there are some people in the country who believe it's real and believe he probably did kill Lucy Beale because they believe Lucy Beale's a real person. You know, that you can't help. You do get that. In the, people write in and go, how dare you do that? She was a nice girl and all this kind of stuff. They seriously will believe it. You know, there won't be a huge amount of them, but there will be a, a few. The teenage jihadi... You know, a man with a lot of hatred and bitterness and, sadly, no brain cell, guilty of a plot to behead a soldier, was radicalised by a hate preacher in just 12 weeks. You know, and the same names come up again. You see these firebrand preachers. Why in God's name they're still in the country? I've got no idea. Why can't we just pick these people up and drop in the middle of the ocean? Just leave them. Leave them there. You know, if they're so obsessed with the fact there's an afterlife, they'll enjoy getting there a bit quicker. So, anyway, only months after joining uh, Anjam Chowdhury's uh, terror group... Uh, this boy underwent a dramatic transformation. It's because he's simple. You know, they actually prey on the simpletons, and that's what Anjam Chowdhury does. You know, they, they prey on people like this. His mummy and daddy kicked him out, so he's got nowhere to go, he's got no friends, and so he thinks that people like Anjam Chowdhury are his friends. No, Anjam Chowdhury just gets these people to do his bidding. He waves a little hand and they trot off like sheep, I'm afraid. A little bit worrying. Uh, Waynetta Rooney... Uh, sorry, Colleen Rooney. I do beg your pardon. I'm so sorry. Um, has been photographed wearing £800,000 worth of jewellery on a beach. How you can wear... I mean, seriously, I was hard pushed to do 20 quid when I went on the beach last time. And that was including belly button piercing. I didn't have any earrings because I've got nothing like that. But she was wearing £400,000 worth of earrings, diamond earrings, on a beach. I mean, she's got to be so jealous. I mean, that has got to be the chaviest thing ever. What, because when you're on the beach, what do you wear? Ombre solaire. That's it. You don't wear anything else. You have that. You have a coconut with some rum in it, some rum punch. It's very nice. You don't wear £800,000 worth of jewellery unless you're a horrible show-off. And I think she's a horrible show-off. So, Waynetta Rooney, I think that's going to be her new name from now on. Eight hundred grand's worth of tomfoolery. On her... It does look like stuff from Poundland. Because that's the trouble. When you see it on her, you know it's going to be cheap and tacky. But, of course, it isn't. Because, as you know, with all her clothes, they see her going into these shops and they go, Oh, it's, it's Waynetta. Waynetta's in. Oh, you look lovely in that Waynetta. That'll be lovely. You can wear that out. And so, of course, she goes out there thinking they really respect me. Whereas they don't in these shops. They just see her as another one of these people who's got more money than sense. And they want to take it from them. That's why shops are very successful. When you go into a shop and you put something on... You really want to be told that really suits you. That is, that is you. You, walk, you put it on, they go, oh, my God, that's lovely. That, is really, that really suits you. That's what they say to her when she goes into a shop. They go, Waynetta, sorry, sorry, Colleen, Mrs Rooney, you look lovely. You look really lovely. It's a bit like Pretty Woman. When she, when she goes into the shop and they look down their nose at her, next time she goes in, he goes with her because she's a, she's a hooker. 
And he says, listen, we're going to be spending an extraordinary amount of money in here. I'm looking forward to some serious kowtowing. And, of course, they fawn all over her because he's spending a lot of money on her. And that's the same with Waynetta. Sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Colleen Rooney. She does have a name. But I, I just call them Mr and Mrs Chav because he can't wear anything without looking like a badly made bed. You know, poor soul. He's got the half-shredded wheat on his head, which cost him £30,000. Any suit which probably cost an arm and a leg on him just looks bad. He looks like a sack of potatoes, poor soul. But, he's, you know, he's not blessed with looks. You know, I don't want to be rude about it. I'm just being, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm trying to be honest. And when you go on a beach, you don't wear £800,000 worth of jewellery. I mean, it just is so stupid. Because somebody somewhere who's got nothing... Is going to be going, I'm having some of that. You don't think she'll be a target? Of course she'll be a target. She's been in every newspaper, you know, wearing this. You know, she's got a ring on. I think there was a watch. I mean, to be honest with you, the necklace she was wearing was cheap at 10,000 quid. But for somebody who lives on, like, threepence a month, you know, ten, you know, £10,000 for a necklace, they'll rip somebody's neck apart to get something like that. That's what happens. You don't go out wearing it. Anybody will tell you, even the super rich... You don't wear jewellery on the beach. It's chavvy. Nobody wears jewellery on the beach. You just go down there with your ombre solaire and your rum punch in the coconut, and that's it. That's all you turn up with. A little, well, you don't even take money down because you sign for everything because you're generally on the beach owned by a hotel. In her case, she obviously doesn't trust the hotel because she's wearing the blooming stuff. Way too dangerous. Way too dangerous. So my advice is don't start flashing your money around because uh, the more you flash around the more chance there is of being robbed. Ronnie Biggs' watch came up for sale. Obviously, there was no money left there because we had to look after the uh, the old uh, fool. It made £900. Male suicide, we're told, is the worst for 12 years. Guess who's written about her in her column today? Written about? Yes, Katie Hopkins has written about... Well, you'll have to find out for yourself. Uh, the Thug, Shameless Star, £300,000 damages. I'll tell you that story because it's a really strange one. Uh, heroin, 16 days, the police waited and they got their men. They're now in prison. Uh, the killers in the first gay jail wedding, both murdered gay people, both gay, ironically. And the uh, the London luxury flats, not in London at all. It's in Luton, mate, innit? Were you truly wafted here from paradise? On FM, online, on your... Steve Allen, on LBC... Morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the 20th of February. It's the weekend, and the weather is disgusting. It's going to be wet and miserable and cold and, oh, who cares? It's still the weekend. I don't mind that. Britain at the mercy of Putin's plane. Should we fear Russia as the war threat steps up? Good Lord, I can't believe we're actually talking about this. And what they've done is they've compared the forces between Russia and, uh, and NATO. And we're pretty much on, a, on an even keel. The killers in the first gay jail wedding. Both murdered gay people. One of them went out with two friends deliberately to to attack gay people and he's turned out to be gay himself. He's a bit too psychotic to be released. Um, Naomi Campbell wearing fur and um, the £10 beach hut up for sale. I love a good beach hut story and an original £1 note stolen in the great train robbery set a record price. Imagine actually having a note from the great train robbery when they stole, what was it, two and a half million or something? I can't remember exactly what it was. And, uh, and a beach hut. We like the beach huts. And do you remember that story I told you the other day about uh, the two boys, the twins? They were looking for donors. 9,000 of you rushed forward. 9,000 of you rushed forward. And so they've been sending out saliva test kits to those people eager to help. 
And then another thousand signed up as donors as well because they need this this uh, transplant website. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. Fantastic. You can also help as well, actually. Uh, to register, though, you must supply a blood sample so your tissue type can be matched with a patient. And uh, you can find out if you can help the twins or other patients. Go to anthonynolan.org. anthonynolan.org. And uh, all the details will be on there. But so, so far, 9,000 plus an extra 1,000 have signed up. Uh, the race for our Chelsea fan, me and Giza Farage, the former public schoolboy who supports the UKIP leader. And, um, and Suleiman, this is the, um, the black guy on the, on the train in Paris. He says, what do I tell my children? I was pushed off a train because I'm black. It's pointless. I agree with him. I've, to be honest with you, it wouldn't happen in this country. I want to know, would it happen in this country? It probably would, actually. But uh, he says they, they should be prosecuted. They absolutely should be prosecuted. Um, anyway, this, uh, this Mr Parsons, who is the former public schoolboy, Josh Parsons, a staunch supporter of the anti-Europe party, met his hero outside a London pub. Perhaps he's just easily led. He might be one of the, these people. He just sort of, you know, he just joins a crowd. And they go, come on, we're going on the train, we're going on the train. He probably, I mean, because if you look at the picture on the train, he doesn't actually look as though he's with this group of people. You know, it could have been anybody up there. Absolutely anybody. Um, Bruce Dickinson, the frontman of metal band Iron Maiden, he's battling cancer the other day. They found a tumour, surprisingly, on his tongue. On his tongue. I was, I was sort of thinking to myself, how would you know about that? I mean, how, how big does a tumour have to be? And uh, who's rocking again at, four, at uh, the age of 47 Charlene Spiteri. I don't know anything about Charlene Spiteri. Does she have a hit single? She must have done, I suppose. But at the age of 47, she's going strong and she tells it like it is. They've actually said Simon Cowell should sign this woman up immediately. Oh, I think Simon Cowell has signed just about everybody up. And there's a, a woman here who uh, she told how a jealous lover beat her senseless and broke her spine in four places because she went to meet friends without him. Drunken Curtis Story was furious after he bumped into Lindsay Pringle with a crowd of girls in a bar, followed her home, and then laid into her. I mean, it's absolutely appalling. He's been jailed, actually, in a lifelong restraining uh, thing. He, he, not only was she in hospital for five weeks, she had shattered teeth, a damaged retina, and uh, six months later, she's still on crutches. She, it's just absolutely appalling that people can do this. I hope he suffers quite badly. Anyway, she went to the, uh, to the police, and uh, he's in prison. He stays there. Dreadful, isn't it, really? Uh, you know, what? not one story in the paper today about any old has-beens from The Only Way is Essex. I'm quite disappointed, really. Normally, I, d- I do like a story somewhere within the programme. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And then there's a young Frozen fan. Let it go, let it go. I'm a d- I love it. There's, there's a very good choir on YouTube, an American choir. I think it's 100, 100 kids. And uh, they're all singing. The, the little girl who's sitting in the front looks about 10 years old. She's got a great voice. And they sing Let It Go, I think, on Americans Got Talent. But this one here was billed, you know, because it's easy to, to get kids along to do Frozen. They love Sing Along of Frozen. They do anything with Frozen. And this one is filled with foam, as opposed to snow. It was another one of these uh, pop-up experiences. And the parents forked out 15 quid a child uh, for this sell-out event. And uh, it looks a bit sad and tragic, really. There was another Frozen event when one of the stars was accused of showing too much bosom. Remember that one the other month? As if, it, I mean, it makes any difference to anything like this. But uh, here, the director of the organiser, Hot Hot Event, said, this was a local event and it was very much advertised as a local event. On the first day, there were some teething problems. Well, there shouldn't be teething problems. It's supposed to be professionals. It's supposed to be professionals. Uh, Ronnie Biggs' watch from the Great Train Robbery 
that sold for more than £900. His signet ring fetched 500 And a pound note from the hold-up went for... What, he still had money with him? From the great train robbery? I'm glad he's gone. 750 quid. Uh, the auctioneer said these items represent a bit of history. Well, from an old crook like him. The signet ring. My God, the family haven't wasted any time flogging every aspect of him, have they? They've chopped his signet ring off. They've got his pound note, and now his watch has gone as well. You'd think his son, who was so concerned for him, you know, would actually want these as keepsakes from his father. I, I wear my father's watch. I wouldn't dream of getting rid of it or selling it. That's just the lowest of the low, I think. Peter Stringfellow said he wants to be a father again at the age of 74. Stop it now, stop it now. 74, good Lord. He said he's not ready for a quiet life. He wants to be a dad again. The flamboyant businessman said he and his wife will try for their second baby this year. He said, I love being a dad. I told my daughter Karen, who's 51, and my son Scott, and they both laughed. <laughs> of course they would. Of course they would. Why not? Goodness sake. 84850, uh, The Mounties are in town. Here's the Queen. Do you know, I don't know where she gets her energy from. I really don't. Don't tell me she was doing gong-ho fat choy the other day. She went down at, uh, at Buckingham Palace. They were having sort of a little bit of a Chinese session. You know, the Queen's going, I'll have crispy duck. That would be quite good, isn't it? Uh, the foot's OK, Paul. They don't know what it is. They've got no idea what it is. They've just given me cream for it. They have no idea. The doctor looked at it. My diabetic nurse, and they've never seen anything like it in their life. So they've just given me cream, which I always think is, is, is sort of good. Actually, the secrets of slimming, Paul. You'll like this one here. Uh, for your pies only. Use half-fat or light mayo. How dull. Use sweetener in drinks instead of sugar. Ugh. Refuse to give lifts. You know, uh, refuse to get in lifts. Walk. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think so. Uh, buy somebody a gym membership. I got stopped by a guy the other day... <laughs> I'd forgot to tell you something. I'd just come back from the doctor's, and he said, oh, hi. I was, I was sort of facing sideways. He, he couldn't actually see me. And he said, um, oh, we're offering half-price gym. And he went, sorry. And I, and I, and I, I wanted to say, would you like to complete the sentence? But I didn't say anything. I thought, I just carried on walking. I didn't sort of even stop. Would you like to buy gym? And then he just turned away. And I thought, he obviously thinks I'm, I'm, I'm not even savable. In the gym department. Isn't that embarrassing? I've never heard that happen before. Uh, high treats. Apparently, and I don't, I don't want to, to be rude at this time of the morning, ladies and gentlemen. It might be people of a sensitive nature, but apparently FEX is very good for exercise, which is why I'm fat. Uh, you can put skimmed milk into full-fat milk containers. I can drink semi-skimmed milk quite easily. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Oh, good Lord above. Oh, I thought that was Sarah Ferguson on the London Catwalk and only became quite ill. Don't tell me Sarah Ferguson's come back again. No, it can't have been her. She looked way too young. Uh, also, use smaller plates for your food. If you're trying to lose weight, smaller plates is better, which is what I said before, which is little and often. Little and often. Uh, also, don't use a cleaner. Don't use a cl- Who's got a cleaner nowadays? You've got a cleaner, Beth? No, it's us, isn't it? That's who does the cleaning. We've got feather dusters and we go around and we do all this, all this kind of stuff. But uh, that's what it is. If you want to, to lose the weight, if you want to be a healthier person, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Little and often, and then, uh, then you'd be a better person. Eight for eight, five.
sorry, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Patrick says, I can't believe some people still think on forums would be another twist in who killed Lucy Beale. The person who's been named, it wasn't anybody else, they should get over it. You can you really believe that they're, uh, that people on forums are discussing, or people on forums generally are a little bit, you know, not all there in the brain department, especially discussing something that they've already come out and said, it's Bobby, it's Bobby Beale, OK? Anybody missed it? You want to you watch it on catch-up? It's Bobby Beale. All right, there you go. B-O-W, oh, doesn't matter. Quarter past six. Morning, everybody. You know the, the man who was abused in... Good Lord, it's like a Hovis advert, isn't it? Like a Hovis advert's wandered in. I'm not sure whether we should sort of, you know, get, get the whippet out or something. But um, the, the man who was abused in Paris, there's a lady over here, and she's trying to raise money to bring him over so he can meet decent Chelsea fans and put him up in a hotel and everything else like that. It's a nice idea, isn't it? I quite like the idea of doing that. She's looking to raise £2,000, and... Um, and she said, because I want to prove to him that not all, all Chelsea fans are horrible people. Well, there's only a few of them on the trade. I mean, it's certainly not representative of, the, of Chelsea fans, is it? It really Well, as far as I know, it's not representative of Chelsea fans. <laughs> Ryan's home, that's good. When he says home, I wonder if that's home in here or home home. He went, this is the one who went to Rome. Do you remember he took his girlfriend for Valentine's Day? I don't think they're going out anymore. And, um, and, he took it, and I said, you're going to see all the sights in Rome. And he went, no. And I don't, I don't think he took it to see the sights in Rome. Certainly haven't seen any pictures of it. And Rome's quite, quite a romantic city, isn't it? They say Paris is supposed to be the romantic place, but to be honest with you, you know, I think it's a bit too much garlic. I'm not sure about that. I don't know, what, what romance would be wherever you want it to be, you know. So, um, two more Chelsea fans uh, in the Paris tube race furor were named yesterday, the furor. Uh, there's no suggestion that either of these people are involved in the, in the pushing or the chanting. Uh, one of them... Uh, he's called Jordan Monday. He's only 20, and he was among those who witnessed this black commuter being blocked by chanting supporters. They said he usually goes to the games with his dad, Tony. One said if he's, if he's been racist, his mum and dad will go ballistic. Well, you see, it's, I mean, they don't, there's no suggestion that he has been. There's just that he's the people. I said they would have the names of the people on the tube. It wouldn't take too long. Uh, the other one, Jamie Fairbairn has been warned he faces a discipline or investigation by his bosses at the highways firm CBU. Uh, both of these people will be key witnesses for the police because they will be able to tell them exactly, you know, what went on. They'll be exactly able to, because they were there in, in the middle of it. So that's it. Katie Hopkins, column today in The Sun. And um, she, uh, she likes me. She likes me. She says, I admire the chap. There we go. It's a mutual admiration side. You'll have to hear the interview on Sunday to appreciate how we actually get on, if indeed we do get on. Um, a star of TV's Big Fat Gypsy Weddings has been arrested on suspicion of threatening to kill. Good Lord, I wasn't even aware that that programme was still running, was it? It was a pile of pants first time round, second time round, and there were some very odd people. Most of the men appeared not to have faces. They, when I say they didn't have faith, they were all pixelated. I think they were more than happy for the, uh, them to come down and film the caravans and everything else and the ghastly wedding dresses. But when it came to the men, I think, uh, as most of them had been in prison, it was a bit embarrassing, really, wasn't it? Every time I see a picture of Naomi Campbell wearing fox, I feel somewhat queasy. Uh, the woman on death row, who we did at the beginning of the programme, um, she's, uh, she's ordered a last meal. They always say, you know, before you die, what do you want to eat? And so she's ordered, you know, cornbread, two Burger King Whoppers with cheese. But they're delighted to be associated with a murderer. I, but the, the one bit I did like out of it is the cherry vanilla ice cream. 
cherry vanilla ice cream. Now, I'm not sure if it's cherry ice cream or vanilla ice cream or if, if that's a flavour in America. Cherry vanilla sounds absolutely delightful. And the shameless star, Elliot Tittenser, I think that's how you pronounce his uh, name. There are two of them, actually. They're uh, identical twins. Has got to pay... £300,000 damages to a man thrown off the bonnet of his BMW. Oliver Flint, then 18, uh, has led, been left brain damaged and blind in one eye. Following a row with Elliot Tittenser, who played Carl Gallagher in the Channel 4 show, the High Court in London had twice refused to let Mr Flint had heard how he twice let him uh, not borrow his mobile phone after the battery on his own ran out. Then uh, it's alleged that Mr Tittenser drove at him as he left a McDonald's. The actor claimed he acted in self-defence. The, uh, the court found differently. He was fined £750 at the time for driving with no insurance. He'd been with his then-girlfriend. The actor wept as Kaya spoke as a character witness for him. This is his uh, ex-girlfriend via a video link. But uh, this other man sued for £500,000 damages, 300000 and I think they've yet to decide on what the final amount will be. Where an actor who can't afford insurance on a car is going to get, say, even £300,000 from, I've got no idea. Uh, a startled DIYer came home to find a gas man had let himself into his house to use the toilet. Sam, painting, thought he'd been burgled. But uh, he went up the stairs and there was a man up there who just finished using his toilet. Unbelievable. He said he's very sorry. He'd come to read the meter and had gone caught short. Well, how did he get into the house? Anyway, apparently, the uh, the company who he came from, Power have offered him £25 compensation. We've spoken to the meter reader, and it's confirmed he was caught short and used the bathroom facilities. It's absolutely unacceptable. He simply shouldn't have entered the house without the customer. What in God's name was he doing in there? That's like being a burglar. I'm surprised the meter uh, reader police weren't around. We've taken appropriate action with the meter reader as this behaviour is unacceptable. He came in to use the toilet. He was using the toilet, not just stand-up toilet. He was using the sit-down toilet. Absolutely unbelievable. £25 compensation for the gas man reading a metre who got himself into your flat. Woo. Very unacceptable. Very unacceptable. Sadly, no more time. I wish we had loads more time, but we don't. We don't. We have to go. We'll have a free podcast for you up in around about 15 minutes' time. Um, And I'm sure it'll be absolutely wonderful, as per usual. Somebody says, shouldn't the auction house who sold the pound note from the great train robber be, be done for passing on stolen goods? Well, if you'd think so. I mean, it's, I don't know. I wonder how many other people kept notes from it. Probably quite a few, I would think. Quite a few people. So, uh, that's interesting. Made £750, that note, incidentally, because I'm assuming it comes with a bit of a, a bit of a provenance and they go, oh, this was one of the notes from the great trade robbery. Probably looks at, I don't know whether it was, it was old notes going to be destroyed. I can't, to be honest with you, it was such a long time ago and it was all in black and white. There was nothing in colour, was there? Front pages of the papers, Moscow and NATO on a collision course. Uh, the Metro race row fan suspended by his boss, which is what we predicted yesterday. Millions set for tax cuts. Oh, please, God, it's me. Please, God. Tories pledged to put money back in your pockets. I've heard that one before. Uh, the Sun, it's Bobby. Bobby Beale was the murderer. OK. I've gone AWOL to fight ISIS, a teenage British soldier. He thinks he's well equipped for fighting ISIS, the people who behead and set fire to people. I think, frankly, he's a complete and utter fool, but... That's just my humble opinion. That's it for this morning. Have a great weekend. Don't forget, Sunday morning, I'm back with you between five and six in conversation. Katie Hopkins, hopefully we'll better transmit the interview, and uh, Nicholas Owen as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show, and, uh, and my book is available in foils.
which is very nice indeed. In fact, you can get it at Waterloo Station if you're going down there. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Sunday morning. I'm live between 6 and 8 with The Sunday Papers. At 7 o'clock this morning, it's uh, Nick Ferrari and the team at breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LB.